Wi-Fi. Wireless internet. All of it? What? Or just in public places? It's the term for when you have a router connected to a cable modem. So, like, the one in my house is considered Wi-Fi? The one I'm using right now? Yeah. Because I'm not plugged into the thing. It's in the thingy, the thingy where Bobber is in the bedroom. And when the man came, he said that it was... The man? When the, the man came. The, the man came. The man. Well, when she has this is why women can't be plumbers commercially, because there's this whole glass wall, because it's the man. Because if you say the woman came, no one knows what you're talking about. Seriously, it's, it's like the microcosm of, of the feminist movement right here in Politic Weekly, <laughs> episode 110. All right, well, the, the installation attendant. Oh, good God. You're like, now you're right next to person hole covers. Come on. The you're technician. The you just like to establish controversy. I really the do. Silliest uh, thing. I really do. Thrives on drama. Anyway, I have a wireless setup. A friend of mine. She's a she's a Republican. She's conservative, but she's very reasonable in her views. But some of her friends are either the most liberal people you've ever met in the world, or they're Sean Hannity's little groupy people who can't stand any deviation from the script. So sometimes, like if I'm really bored, I'll go over on her Facebook page and type I hate the military and just like watch everyone explode because it's so controversial so <laughs> it just reminds me of what I do here at, at Puffa and I don't oh, actually hate the, the military in case everyone was wondering but it gets everyone yeah. going good thing to clarify that but you know give Keza a call she misses us Keza okay Keza watched are we allowed to do that I, I think so we just want to tell her we love the thing Keza watched season 4.5 of Battlestar Galactica in one sitting that's Whoa. amazing in I would have died sitting well, yeah, you. But yeah, know. I would have died. I die. I could barely watch two episodes in a row. Well, I know, but you were a little sensitive. You were like the ripping of the bandit. Okay, Keza, you watched four point five in one sitting, correct? My microphone wasn't plugged in. Okay, you watched four point five <laughs> in one sitting. I did watch it in one day. Because yes, here's the I deal. She, she, she's on Revelations, the 4.0 finale. And she's and I'm like, I'm going to bed. I hung in there as long as I could. And she's like, I'm starting 4.5. I'm like, I too will hang in there until you get to the... So I watched the first episode of 4.5 with her. But I'm like, it's 1 in the morning. I'm going to bed. The next day at work, I send her a, a yim message. And she writes back, all right, I'm approaching daybreak. I'm like, what? While you were sleeping. While you were sleeping. (laughs) So, Keza, you can now listen to the Caprica podcast. You can listen to the Daybreak commentary where I and the Jen sob through the entire thing. (laughs) I can. I can listen to 108 now, apparently, as well. You can't spoil me anymore. I know it all. Exactly. And you did it. You got through it safe. I'm so jealous. Well, you almost got through it safe. You just, you knew about, uh... Yes. And Richard, I, for, I even forget the other spoiler Richard said because I didn't recognize it as such at the time. It was like we were talking about something unrelated, and then he made a joke, like referencing back yeah. to BSG. That's the and then he was like, that's a spoiler. And I you, didn't even You didn't realize it was a spoiler until yeah, I he had That's the same as Wolfie's, you can be the solemn with the... <laughs> it went yes. out of my head. <laughs> exactly. The thing that happened was they had the throwaway line about and then in the next episode you see Starbucks which was this random and everyone started assuming and then there was a rumor going around that Baltar was because he was in like the network somewhere trying to do something. Oh, I just got it. What? Kara could see 
the at the right, yeah. and no one else can see the. I mean, that's very and stuff that were both. Well, then the thing is, is that Sam played. Oh. That's what I believe, and we, that's not canon, but I think that'd be really cool because at dinner parties frequently, you know what I mean? They're responsible for perfect weekly. Like this is why this show blows my mind. <laughs> I have to tell you, this is really funny. We go, Mr. Keza says, okay, this can be my birthday present. We will go and see Alice in Wonderland. This will be wonderful. So we'll take the kids and we get 3D glasses and we go and sit down in the cinema and we watch Alice in Wonderland. And we're toodling along in the movie and we're like, oh, this is nice. It's British. And I'm looking at the Red Queen going, oh, I know her. Ooh. And the next thing we know, this caterpillar talks. And I like go, that's Professor Snape. Because Alan Rickman is the voice of the caterpillar mm-hmm. dude. Anyway, at the end of the movie, one of my kids goes, turns around and Bellatrix Lestrange was in that. I'm like, oh, she's the Red Queen. So we're like playing spot the Harry Potter characters because apparently Imelda Staunton is also in the Alice in Wonderland world. This is very cool. We I think there's yesterday- very few British actors. Is <laughs> <laughs> well, yesterday I checked into the movies. We go see Nanny McPhee in the Big Bang. We get there and it's a wonderful movie. It's happy. It's light. It's lovely. And I already know Professor Trelawney's in it because, you know, Emma mm-hmm. Thompson wrote the thing, starred in the thing, produced it, directed it. It's very good. Anyway, the mother in the story goes in to help out in the local village shop. And Professor McGonagall is behind the counter being this dotty old woman. It's lovely. It's wonderful. She looks fantastic. This farmer comes along because I'm going, kids, kids, that's Professor McGonagall. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like play spot the Harry Potter actor <laughs> in these movies. Anyway, this farmer drives down the lane. He's going to pick up these kids. And my son turns around and goes, I think that's Hagrid. I think it's Hagrid. <laughs> turns out it wasn't actually Hagrid, but they spent the rest of the movie looking for. Because um, it's like they must all be in there. It's like find yeah. Waldo. Where is Professor Snape? You know, it's like we're playing spot the Harry Potter actor every time we see a movie now. I'm like, see, that's Professor Jelani and that's Professor McGonagall. You should all watch um, Keeping Mum with Maggie Smith. It's like a dark Mary Poppins. <laughs> well, you know what I found actually quite amusing? If you watch this Nanny McPhee in the Big Bang, there's a precocious little girl in there. And there's this, um, she's the city cousin and it's the farm kid there who's in charge because his dad's gone off to war. They actually remind me of Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe. They're like 11, <laughs> you know. Oh, they remind me of those two kids. I'm like, that's great. All great, of this has happened before. All of this will happen again. <laughs> I love how I abbreviated so say, so say We All and P.S. yelled at me on Facebook. Death Earl did it too and I yelled at him. You don't abbreviate, so say we are. Well, I had to put something up fast because I put the message up about the doctor's appointment like three days ago, but because I never updated my Facebook after that, everyone thought it was still happening, and they're like, oh my god, are you dying? I'm like, I had a mole on my face. Chill. <laughs> so I had to post something, so I did like, so say we all. Oh, hold on. Someone's responding to my comment about the hating the military. Wait, you hate the military? <laughs> no, but I tell like, the crazy Republicans I do because it drives them nuts. So who's podcasting tonight? Scott's here. Um, Sue can't be here because she updated to the newest version of iTunes. She's really pissed. I think we should bring her in here because she'll start swearing. Just and... call. <laughs> Let's have a party. Exactly. I asked Jen T to come. I told her to come drunk. She wasn't drunk, so I told her to go away. That hit right now. That was now. very rude. It was very rude of me. So, Keza, you can listen to 108 now. We love everything but one line. We spend two minutes on the stuff we love, and we bitch about the one line for two and a half hours. That's all we do. The entire episode. Yeah, maybe I don't want to listen to that. Death Roll's like, I think we're being harsh. I I believe my words were horribly unfair. You're like, we're being horribly unfair. No, you made a crack about Keza, but it would be more a crack against Barb. But because Barb wasn't here, we just made the crack. If only Keza didn't have to comment on every single moment of their lives. And like, Barb did that. He's like, I know, but Keza's here. I'd rather blame her. (laughs) (laughs) Spirits is all in bad. I I have that problem. 
problem that. too, and so does Death Roll. I did get over that, yes. So Harry had to poop. It was a very difficult day for him. It was like, okay, we don't need to be here for this meeting. <laughs> I did not ever talk about him going to the bathroom. Yes, Come Harry on. Potter's bowel movements, the missing chair. I have seen fix where Harry Potter spends paragraphs in the bathroom, and oh I just do not want to go I have there. Never, that's one thing this I've never overcompensation. seen. <laughs> because the people who are wondering, does this man never take a shower? I thought you were going to say shit, and I've never heard you say that before. It's fascinating. I like, holy crap, now that his reception is better, we can hear everything. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's like people complain about this, right, in, in books and stuff, and then, they, you know, on 24, he never goes to the bathroom. Yes, no he does. Goes. Season 3, I remember. Yes, I know. He does on 24. But, you know, they never go to the bathroom. Actually, Battlestar Galactica, they're in the bathroom a lot. Bill, <laughs> I love Bill at the end where Baltar is trying to convince him to... <laughs> Bill's like, I'll be in the bathroom. There's a little project I'm working on. I'm like, you just made a shit joke. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so people write fan fiction. People write fan fiction and they stick them in the bathrooms all the time. And it's like, could you be any more boring? <laughs> There's a well, reason we don't know every are time they, they go to the conversations in the bathroom or are they using the bathroom? They use the bathroom a lot. They they use it as a place to have a go. Harry went to the bathroom and Ginny followed him in there and they had a talk about the bills. You know, what? Oh, <laughs> this might be a good time to do this. I actually have a shit story. We're just going to throw that right here. So I'm at work yesterday, right? <laughs> and I'm working on multiple different projects. I'm, I'm doing all these different things and my phone rings. So I answer the phone. And it's Danielle. She needs my iTunes password. <laughs> She's taking all of my music from me. So I give That's her my the bad story. It's the bird story. <laughs> so then I hang the phone up again. Now an hour later, the phone rings again. It's like, Danielle, Ryan! I'm like, what's wrong? It's now she's home alone. Like, what could have happened? There's a bird in the house. I'm like, there's a bird in the house. There's a bird. I'm like, and it's in the house. Yes, help. I'm like, all right, all right. So I hang up the phone. I say goodbye. I love you. All that crap. So I hang up the phone and I go to my boss. I'm like, my wife just called. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, there's a bird in the house. He's like, I'm married. Go, go. <laughs> so I'm talking to. I'm 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 on my my phone typing to because I can't call Australia from my phone because it's enormously expensive. So I'm, I'm typing to Kezo, what do you think of this scene in the final episode of Battlestar Galactica as I'm driving on the sidewalk to get to my house? So I finally get home. I'm like, I need to kill a bird. I'll be right back. So I, I hang out with Kezo. I go in the house. Danielle's standing in her pajamas, white as a ghost. She's like, there's a bird in the bedroom. I'm like, how did the bird get in the bedroom? I walked into the bedroom and there was a bird and I shut the door. So I'm picturing a little chick is bouncing around my bedroom. You know, oh, look, it's a bookcase. Oh, look, it's a Harry Potter thing because I have Harry Potter crap everywhere. So I walk upstairs. I'm like, how did a bird get in the house? I'm like, so I look in the bathroom. And there's a rip in the hose to the dryer vent. I'm like, okay, so it came in the vent, ripped through the hose, and it came in the bathroom. I look around. My bathroom is covered in bird shit everywhere. <laughs> it's on the windowsill. It's on the floor. It's knocked over everything. I'm like, how does a little chick knock over shampoo bottles? That's very odd. So now I'm realizing this is a bird with a nervous blather that has eaten Mexican food within the past 24 to 48 hours. So finally it found its way out of the bathroom, got into the bedroom, and now it's in the bedroom. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to open the window. And I'm going to let the bird out. I can get back to work. So I open the door to the bedroom. I look inside. There's a small pigeon on my bed. <laughs> that was bigger than I thought. So I slam the door shut. Danielle's like, what's wrong? I'm like, there's a bird in the bedroom. She's like, I know. I called you. I'm like, well, we have to get the bird out of the bedroom. So then I open the, the, the door. 
in the bird, you now I have three windows in the bedroom. Now the shades down on one of them. So I have two visible windows and I have a mirror over Danielle's dresser. The bird gets up and flies into one of the windows at 88 <laughs> miles an hour. It falls off and shits itself on my couch. I'm like, this bird just really needs to lay off How the much shit can be I don't know, P.S. I don't know. So then the bird gets up and it flies across the room into the mirror falls and shits on the dresser. I'm like, holy crap! No pun intended. My house is being vandalized by an effing pigeon. Then it flies at the door, so I shut the door. Now, was it, it a pigeon? Really a pigeon? No, it was like, a, I don't know what it was. It was Just cl- like Lee and the pigeon? Yes, exactly. It's like the, the <laughs> is pooping all over. So now it's flying at the door, so now I scream like a small girl and slam the door shut. Plus, I don't want to let the pooping pigeon out of my house. So I'm like, what the hell do I do now? You know, Danielle's like over my shoulder, so we're like, you know, the, like the spies and our pajamas. So I look in the room. Well, she's in her pajamas. I was working that morning. So I we open the door and now it's flying into every window. Like it's like it's smack, 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 smack. And it's shitting all over the place. And, and it's like concussing itself. So I'm like, so then I'm looking and I'm like, all right, I need to get to the window. They'll open the window. But the thing is flying so much. It's going to hit me if I try and get there. So I'm going to have to duck, crawl, get to the window, open the window. But then all, there's like all these laundry baskets in the way. So it's going to be like the damn thing on Nickelodeon in the 80s. Mark oh, uh, Summers was the host. Double, double, double dare. Remember the thing at the end where you had to like go through the landmine thing and stick your hand up the yeah. nose of the thing? And blah, blah, blah. I always wanted to do that. Was- I need to do this in four seconds to get the window open, or I'm going to be attacked by a shitting pigeon. So <laughs> I like charge in the room and I look at Danielle. I'm like, I'm going in. Once I'm in, I want you to shut the door behind me because I don't want this thing get- getting out. You would think I said to her, I'm going to Vietnam. Just <laughs> leave me behind. And she's like, I won't shut the door. I'm like, just shut the door. I think she's picturing me being pecked to death by a pigeon. So I finally charge in the room. I open the window. I duck down. The bird goes flying over my head out the window. I'm like, I need to get back to work. So I left her with bird shit everywhere and I went back to work. So that was my story. So so kids, when your wife calls, do not tell her you'll be home at five. Handle it immediately. That is karmic <laughs> retribution for you making fun of my bird story. I don't remember your bird story. I remember your fireplace story. <laughs> the bird story is the same as the fireplace story. Oh, the bird was in the fireplace? It was While not a very... P.S. It was not a memorable story. Keza, author While of the week. Here, yes. While I'm here, on the last episode, which I have listened to, very amusing, you're saying yeah, Keza doesn't have a fireplace. She won't have a fireplace story. I grew up with fireplaces. <laughs> I know all about fireplaces because my parents grew up in England and they came here and they thought, hmm, dry country, a lot of firewood. Let's have a fireplace so that we can be warm. <laughs> we must recreate England, you know. It's yeah. like they've settled on they're recreating, you know. Yes, they pretend it's exactly the same as it was before. We're eating algae, but just get past it. Yeah, so so I actually um have have many fireplace stories and I always wanted to be you know, we would watch Mary Poppins and the kids, you know, they would go up and then the chimney sweeps and, they'd all be, and it would be fun, you know, because they're all dancing. So obviously chimney sweeping is really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be the chimney sweep. And I was always devastated because my mother wouldn't let me sweep the chimney. Well, you know what I she learned was- about chimney sweepers too? They all sound like Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> and uh, Dick Van Dyke also doesn't sound British. Stippy time! Stippy time! Stippy time! Stippy time! Stippy time! Come on, ladies, stippy time! You know what? My 
grandparents tries, had man. a fake fireplace. My parents still have a fireplace. And it was like, it was just this thing that went up against the wall, and you flip a switch, and there's a light that goes on inside that make it, makes it look like there's a fire. Oh, God, that's the best story. Okay, you know what? That's a wonderful fireplace story, P.S. I was riveted by your fireplace story. <laughs> that was nice. Death Roll's what like, I what the I, hell are we talking about? Because he wasn't... I have a fireplace I story. What's your, hold on, what's your fireplace story? When I was a child, uh-huh. uh, before the age of seven, we lived in this house in town, and we had a wood stove. Uh-huh. And one time, I decided it would be a really great idea to open up the front of the stove and cook some marshmallows on the coals inside. Oh, God. It worked. They were delicious. Okay. I, I thought, thought you, I used to cook I thought you were going to tell me the only thing left of the house within two hours was the wood-burning stove in the middle of the living room. I used to cook on a wood stove. We moved to this old farm farmhouse, right, where uh-huh. we had the oak fireplace, and it was like built like back when they didn't have electricity and stuff. How and old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really old. Oh, I didn't build it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't build a damn house. And I was about 10. We moved Picture Keza building a house, everyone. I'm sorry, carry on. <laughs> hey, my dad built a house once, so, you know. It must be it's too obvious it was past it, it must be genetic. And right. he builds houses for a living. I could build a house. Anyway, we moved into this really old house, and in, in the kitchen, it had like this wood stove, and you not like a heating thing. It was like a massive, like, range wood thing. Like, it had plates on the top. You could, like, pick it up and, and you put your saucepan, like, on this flat um, thing. Like they have on Little House in the Prairie? Yes, one of those. And it had, like, a little alcove that they put next to it. And Mum put her cooker in there that she brought from England because she was recreating her life. But she said, when I was a child, my mother had one of these. She also had a hand mangle and, you know, this other kind of crap that we now use electricity for. But she's like, oh, I would love to cook on the wood stove. So I was actually taught to cook on a fireplace. But your mother wasn't trying to recreate the little house in the prairie house, right? I think she was. Because you remember how that show ended, right? No, I never saw it. I never saw the show. I read the books. Does anyone know? How the show ended? I can't remember. I, it was a long time ago. Well, yeah, I'm, you know how I'm obviously ancient. Well, you're, you're very old. That's true. <laughs> it, 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 the show did not end well. So for those of what you... Did they all die in a blizzard? It's based on real people's lives. How well, can they change it? The show was Don't a spoil. Don't spoil. I'm spoiling a little house in the prairie? <laughs> Apparently. When does spoiler space expire? I have to ask. I wonder, too. <laughs> They're just telling you. I, I think know. they're all dead, yes. I thought that's what was going to happen on Battlestar Galactic. But... <laughs> then you seriously. find out it's me. No, no, seriously. This annoyed me. They're like, mm, you must. <laughs> Bill, you're not going to like it. We're going to put. <laughs> and there's that. They show this same corridor with the same. <laughs> painting the same. No, do you know what that is? The whole Do you know what that is? They ran out of money at the end of the season. That's the side of the soundstage behind the set. <laughs> How did they run out of money? They had, like, no set left. They'll, like, just use the scaffolding for the show. No one will know. It looks like part of a ship. Because if you know this, it's supposed to be the bottom of the ship. The same beam. She's just painting it for three hours. Big fracking deal. Yeah, how do you know it's the same one? Yeah. Well, if you fast forward through that episode, it's Adama doing a Vulcan mind melt with Beam. You ever notice he's like, mm, shifts. Oh, mm. <laughs> Seems to be but working. it's the same part of the Back beam. Shirt. They don't even move. It's like, it's like that piece of the beam has been painted now for three hours. I think it can stop. All right, you know what? Classic Star Trek, new Star Trek, It's they only have one hallway. So they keep running up and down it. You know what? They had one beam. What do you want from these people? Although, Caprica, they have the entire planet. It looks fabulous. It just looks a little bit like Vancouver, but it's fine. 
It's like painted over one too many times. The the one thing I love about about Caprica is that they have a little Toron. I think that's fabulous. They have what? Little, little Toron. It's oh, where yes. little Toron immigrants live. I think that's fabulous. Or a little Tauron. 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 Um, Amanda Greystone. Amanda Greystone. Um, uh, I hope she had a with her, but we won't spoil it. So let's go talk about Kez's fic right now. Seriously. Kez, I love you dearly. Get lost. (laughs) You don't want to be here for this. No, apparently Ryan really likes this, but I don't know. What is the awesome hair that you're talking about on Skype? Who had awesome hair? Your hair. Oh, my. I thought you were talking about one of the characters. I'm like, Gilbert does not have awesome hair. I didn't mention Oh, thank you for reminding me of a plot point I want to bring up. Don't get lost. I got to go talk about it. Plot. (laughs) Bye. 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 be again a podcast quite like this one that brought us together and started its own forum list where the hosts are all our friends all the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Part of it weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. And welcome back to Part of it Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm P.S. This is Death Roll. Scott. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Scott's like, holy shit, they're showing it blind, running from the microphone. All right, so tonight we are I've doing... Been sliding the volume slider up and down. Poor Scott, oh, we've been spoiling... Up and down, up and down. We've been spoiling the end of Battlestar Galactica all evening, and Scott is like trying to like turn the volume. You know what he's doing? When I copy all the chapters of a fic I want to read to my text reader, I have to look enough at them to know I've got them all, but I don't want to read, you know, and then Jimmy died. So I squint at my screen. He's been like squinting. Squinting while listening to us, not trying to be spoiled. Well, it's not like he knows who these people are. Exactly. Keza was here earlier. It's not we like talk- he's going to make it all the way through and remember. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. No, I would do that. No, why? Because I spoiled a big part of Babylon 5 to Danielle. And then years later, we watched it. I'm like, we're coming up on the very shocking reveal. And she's like, oh, you mean this? I'm like, you remember that? Yeah, you told me on our I first date. I once read a spoiler by accident, and I forgot about it. And then, like, when I got to... The, the part that it was almost at, and I was like, because, like, what was it? I thought it wasn't going to happen. Like, I thought what I'd read was wrong, but then it started happening. I was like, oh, no! Well, that was when Deathly Hallows came out, and they were passing the rumor that Hagrid and Hermione die, and Jen's husband told me that, and I was so pissed, because I'm like, well, it's either going to happen or it's not, but now I'm expecting it to all be time. And then when Hagrid, the very first... Yeah, then he falls off the bike. Yes. I'm like, damn you, McVeigh! So, so I will tell you, I thought... The spoiler for Order of the Phoenix, I was spoiled that Dumbledore dies. So I was reading through it and I was like, okay, everybody else is saved. Dumbledore's going to die. That's fine. Dumbledore's going to die. How'd that work out? And then Sirius dies. And I'm like, well, they can't have Dumbledore die too. That would be just awful. And got even past where Sirius fell through the veil. And I was like, well, Dumbledore's the one that dies in this one, so Sirius can't be dead. You know, he'll come back and Dumbledore will die. And then you I know I missed that Sirius died? I missed it. 
How could you miss it? I missed one line. I know people who threw their books against the wall. I missed it. <laughs> oh my god. Totally missed it. So, so you get to the next chapter and it's like, well, by the time I started, yeah, I mean, by the time I started, you know, Half Blood Prince and reading it, I'm like, Harry seems down. And I read back, I'm like, holy shit. I assumed I that he wasn't dead. I mean, I, I assumed that he was somehow coming back because that didn't look like a very convincing death. I'm like, we're serious. And then why is Harry crying? It was very confusing for me. So tonight we are doing chapters 22 of 29 of Rebuilding Life by Keza. Now, in the first episode that we did, there was one line that we didn't like. We loved every other line. And what we did was we decided to devote the entire podcast to that one line and ignore everything else. And then last week, I don't really remember what happened. I'm pretty sure either I or PS was drunk last week, but I'm sure it was a fabulous podcast because Keza listened to it and enjoyed it very much. I have no idea what was said. And uh, this week, we're hitting 22 to 29. Now, the thing I feel about it is in the in the past two podcasts, I kept going to, to Keza after. She's like, what do you think of my fic? What do you... Well, I can't do an Australian accent at the moment. What do you think of my fic? I think that's the closest we're probably going to get. I think I can do this. All right, go for it. Go. Have Scott try it. I have no idea. You see, Scott can do every voice in the world. By default. By default. That is sick. That is awful. That's like when the candidate who robbed the bank wins the police chief election or whatever because no one else runs. It's just set. Give me another line. What line do you want? Give give me another line and I'll do Australian. The dingo ate my baby. (laughs) The dingo ate my baby. The dingo ate my baby. (laughs) Scott? Oh, well. <laughs> the master of all. Come on, strange. you two need to Let's try see. Um, We should find some actual Australian lines in the whole fake, you know, Jonathan or somebody. That one's probably British, but, you know, it's <laughs> close-ish. That is very similar. To do Australian is you, it's like wider. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the vowels are different. They are based on an English accent because it's, it's a, a lot of people who originally came to British Australia accent, English. I'm just... Yes, you cannot not be from Baltimore. I'm sorry. What do you want from me? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. That was uh, that was a good attempt there. All right. Anyway, in the last two chapters, I felt like Keza got 95 percent of the way there. I loved the story. I it was one of the stories I kept listening to. Like uh, usually, I'll listen to fix you know when I'm in the car or I'm at work or I'm shopping or something. And I don't usually take like if I'm home with my wife or whatever. I don't like sit down and read. Like we'll do other stuff together. Like I don't usually feel a draw to read fan fiction anymore when I'm just doing my own thing. With this fic, I actually did. I really wanted to keep reading. And I stayed up late. And there were just some things that disappointed me in it, like Harry calling Molly and Art mom and dad. There were just little moments that I felt like the, the fic wasn't quite there, like the part where George and Harry were fighting. It seemed a bit contrived. So I was. That was, that was the line. That, that was the line. Problem with. And it was like, I felt disappointed because I felt like it, it was almost, you know, a tremendous fic, but it just it felt a little short, and that's just frustrating. It's like yelling at someone for getting a 95 on the test. It's like being disappointed in a person for getting a 95 on the test. So, um, the point I was at now is we start chapter 22 and I think 22 to 29 is when Keza really got it. And I think it's been the most solid set of chapters. There's virtually nothing in here that disappointed me or confused me or I wish was done differently. I think she hit, you know, almost every point and she covered a lot of ground and I think that this is when the fic really starts getting good. And I commented on Chen 2 to that effect and she was like, that's when I started bathering the thing, dude. So Chen 2 is bathering. She's bathering. She's make fun of me. I do make fun of you. You sound like you're from Baltimore all the time. And well, we're actually... <laughs> what, do you want me to just start talking like you? Uh, well, would you like to try that? Sure. Okay. Well, I'll try to do. For the rest of this podcast, I will be attempting a Massachusetts accent. <sighs> oh, my 
She's only lived here for four years, folks. Let's see if she... She oh, lives near the Chinese good. restaurant. Okay. Oh, are you starting now or are we starting later? I'm starting now. All right. Start, oh, I'm starting now. Oh, this is going to be a very long <laughs> couple hours. All right. So starting <laughs> chapter 22. Yeah. Starting chapter 22. And we're having Jonathan and Bert's wedding. We are. And this is the point where... And, and you know what? This is the last holdover of Disappointed Ryan. It's the last thing that seemed weird at the time. As I read it, it seemed weird. And then looking back on it, it seems perfectly normal because Kaza cut her hair and she looks awesome. So the last moment was that... Bill Bill, all of a sudden, is turning into a prick, <laughs> and he, you know, he going, going fine. Then he was, he was becoming a prick. And there's a moment at Bert and Jonathan's what, where George, I think it was George and Charlie, magic neon letters appearing above Harry and Ginny's uh, reading out next to get hitched engraved on them. And there's a line there where Bill frowns upon seeing this. Now, like a picture was backward with purpose, Molly frowning for 17 chapters at every single thing that Harry does, because he well, is Weasley's, evil. The, the Weasley boys seem to do a lot of frowning in, in these chapters, and, and so far through the fic, actually. There's frowning and sniffling, because if you're a first year at Hogwarts, and you don't have the proper attitude, you sniffle. And I can only think there's some type of hay fever outbreak. Gerald is sniffling through the entire latter part of these chapters. I'm afraid to say anything because I can't... You can't talk like me. Five I mean, episodes I... left of Pofwog. I can't is... talk like you either. And... I only can do the ones with the R. All right, I order everyone to talk like themselves. I wasn't <laughs> trying to imitate you anyway. This is my natural accent. <laughs> you mean you Which sound like that all the time. sound like Ryan either. You sound normal, Bethel. The man's from Wisdom. So Wister, the chapters Wister. start off with, 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 with Bill frowning. I'm sorry, all I'm picturing now is Bill Adama. That was yeah, every, every, yeah. I that, that was hard. Like, I can't switch, flip the switch in he my ha- head. He has clenched ass cheeks. And Jen has a giant crotch. All right, we need to, need to move on. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, Bill is frowning, so... Harry uh, offers to sneak George out of the way before he gets injured or something. Exactly. And and it, so Harry stops touching Ginny. Bill is frowning all the time. And then they apparate back to the apparition point near the borough. They're all like, then apparate again. And Ginny decides, let's walk home. And all I can picture is they're in, like, Saudi Arabia somewhere, and they're going to walk home. But my thought on that was, don't you think Bill, the frowner, will be like, oh, my God. Jenny is obviously dead because she did not come back and like go back looking for him because they just. I, I didn't think he would think that she was dead. I thought he would suspect exactly what they were planning on doing, what they were doing, and just general comment. Why do all of Jenny's brothers think she's easy? <laughs> because that they seems read, to be the standard line. They seem like, to read, yeah, you think they have more project. trust in her. They seem to read an enormous amount of fan fiction. Uh, they do. They <laughs> really do. Exactly. Percy is the one telling her to go play the field. <laughs> Well, P- Percy seems like Data's love child in this one a little bit. I have it written in my notes a little bit further, where Percy's talking to Mr. Granger. He's like, oh, young Ronald T. Oh, and Hermione, <laughs> they, they, they're getting up to some very inappropriate things at school. And Harry's like, Percy seemed to forget at the moment he was talking to Hermione's father. That, that crap. Yeah. And Mr. Granger gratefully wasn't listening to a damn thing he was saying. I was waiting for him to, like, come up. What's, like, a snobby version of 
Lucy or something. Oh, I'm Scarlet sorry, Woman. Scarlet Woman. Now we that's where Percy gets it from. Molly's a prude with 23 children. <laughs> the Weasleys and Fix seem to have a sort of double standard because the boys are always going on about how they're doing the old sort of thing where you ask the boyfriend's intentions, and if you do that, you're supposedly supposed to believe them, but they mm-hmm. never do. But you know, whereas Ginny goes in and she she thinks they're. Um, completely out of line for even thinking about that because it's her life. Uh, but half the family is going one way and half is the other way. It's kind of odd. Do you remember in um, Paradigm of Uncertainty, they all had in this giant gymnasium in the POU house, they all had these giant mahogany desks. And every one of the housemates had this giant desk and there was like little cubicles and everything. I'm picturing Harry when he goes to the borough to ask for Jimmy's hand in marriage. Like all of the Weasley boys are going to have their own little desks. They'll have to ask Arthur and Arthur will say yes. And they'll have to get up and go over the Bill's desk and ask Bill. And they're gonna... It's like a bureaucracy. <laughs> Seriously. Is like fill out this form, initial, middle name. Well, I actually have a note here later. Um, there's the part that comes up later on where Harry goes back to Burrow and it looks like he has insect bites all over him because Ginny apparently sucked on every square inch of his body. So Molly pulls Harry aside and gives him some salve for his many hickeys. And all I could picture reading that was it was a great alternative to the fic where like Harry receives from Molly condoms. <laughs> She's like, here, go have fun. Like, it's just like the many faces of Molly Weasley. I've read fix where, like, if she sees them kissing, she will shoot Harry, like, with a gun. She will like, shoot Harry. And then other times. I've seen fix where she, like, encouraged it. Have she fun, like, dear. No, have fun, dear. <laughs> there's seven. I've seen that. I'm like, really? Molly <laughs> has went... multiple personality disorder. She really does. It's frightening. I'm surprised it's Bill, because it's usually not Bill. Bill's usually the one. Well, he was the cool one. He's got an earring. You, you mean to tell me he wasn't kissing people in high school? Like, Yeah, I had that comment, too. You know what Bill doesn't have in this fic, and I meant to bring this up in the last podcast, and I forgot, and it just occurred to me at this moment, bites on his neck from the wolf. Did they say he had no bites on his neck? It's, like, not even commented on. I mean, he I always, I pictured that he was all scratched up and scarred. Because it's never commented on at all, like the veneer grayback and... Was it ever commented on that anyone can remember? I don't remember, because I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I thought so. But that would be just point, random. It's like in the middle of the kitchen, he turned into a werewolf or something. Mm. Like, yeah. Well, he isn't oh, no, a werewolf. He just, yeah, I thought, he just I thought has it was these scars. Is he a werewolf or is he a... He is not a werewolf. He, not has a werewolf. Scar- it's, he has these scars because he, he wasn't bitten by Fenrir, yeah. Fenrir but he was a he werewolf. He was scratched by him while he was a human, mm-hmm. so it's not the same as when he, Fenrir is actually a wolf. It doesn't he, he got the, the vaccine form of the virus, the weakened version. Well, know why? Because I'm listening to an audio drama at the same time about vampires, and, and one of the characters on it got scratched by a vampire, let's say, so she becomes a vampire herself. And I'm like, that sounds a lot like Bill That's Weasley. That's not how it works. I'm reading if it, or she got bitten or something. It, there was dry, You'd I, get bitten by a vampire. Yeah, well, Twilight ruined the way vampires work, so this is what we have to put up with now. I've never seen Twilight. I've never. What do they do in Twilight? Twilight. I thought they bitch sparkle. They sparkle. Is that how you become? They go out in the daylight and make themselves vampires. I think the vampire transformation is about the same, but the what the vampires are is all different. I don't know. I haven't read that far, so I couldn't tell you. I haven't read it all. Don't care. Thank you. Bye bye. Why did you answer my question if you haven't read it? Because my girlfriend has read it, and I've heard about it, and I know they sparkle. Am I wrong? I, I, I really don't know. We should find someone who actually has I just did. <laughs> your girlfriend is your source. <laughs> Isn't yours? Well, I don't have one. <laughs> well, you have a wife. So, <laughs> well, I know, but that's... Well, okay, we're going to move on. Okay. So, <laughs> it's 
the same thing. I know, but you can't retroactively go back and start calling your wife your girlfriend. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm confused. You can call your girlfriend your wife, but you can't call your wife your girlfriend. Correct. Yeah, I'm but just glad. Calling your girlfriend your wife a lie if you're not married. I've called Danielle. The Actually, wife after years. seven years living together by common law. There's no common uh-huh. law in Massachusetts. Though. Uh-huh. Oh, there's not. There's not. Interesting. Uh-huh. You thought you were married all this time? Oh no. Well, I'm sorry if you were like coming up and you were having a party planned, perhaps grilling some steak or pasta sauce. Pasta. Oh, God. Grilling grilling pasta. (laughs) We'll put some pasta on the grill. It'll be great. Ginny catches the bouquet, of course, and Harry catches the garter, of course. It could have been Ron and Hermione and been just as obvious. And, you know, I would have liked to have seen something humorous, like Harry and Hermione have to get up there in front of (laughs) everybody and endure the teasing that goes along with doing that sort of thing with a friend who's a girl but not your girlfriend. It would have been funny, and it would have been hysterical if it was Ron and Ginny. <laughs> that well, I don't think that was a comment. Well, no, Ron and Ginny is not Harry and Hermione. Would, you know, it'd be funny if Harry and Hermione caught them and they look at each other and they're like, "Ew!" <laughs> and they like give it to someone else. Okay, can we just point out the fact that Mister Granger is trying to make conversation by talking about the possums? <laughs> I commented on that. I was they like, get into your roof and they chew the electrical wires. And I'm picturing because uh, and, and you call your brother over and they climb up the door of the bathroom. Exactly. And, uh, hey, they say right and what Arthur you know. is just enthralled because it involves electricity. So. Yes, yes. I don't remember Percy being this much of a stick in the mud. I do remember him being a jackass, so maybe he never calmed down enough to be this much of a stick in the mud. So it probably. Works. I thought he was supposed to get over that when he came home and he realized, you know what, I was an ass before and yeah. I was wrong. And maybe well, you know, what? I'm watching a show on. Uh, if anyone watched the Olympics at all, they saw commercials for Parenthood. I'm watching Parenthood, and the thing with that show is the the characters are all. I think I talked about this last week. The characters yep. are very set in their ways for several weeks. So, like, the dad is a stubborn ass, and the daughter is, is stubborn. Everyone it has, like, these little archetypes. Stubborn. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, they're actually all stubborn, now that I think of it. And then in one episode, they all get past it. They talk about how they're not going to be stubborn anymore and all this stuff. And one of the things a reviewer said was, I hope to God that lasts about a week. Because how many times do we decide in our lives, I'm going to be nicer to my mother. And then a week later, you're like, shut the hell up! That's how families work. I do kind of appreciate the fact that Percy has this come to Jesus moment and, and re- reconciles with the family. Within a week, he's like, Ginevra, let's just talk about pet care. Because really, you had a death eater for a rat for 12 years. I really think you should be teaching the course. It so. threw me off that the dog was named Dora. Because I kept picturing Dora Dora the Explorer. No, I'm picturing Dora the Explorer because I have no idea what Dora the Explorer is, but I'm picturing it's a hyperactive dog, or it could be a bird that shits all over the place. I mean, Dora can really be anything. I'm really (laughs) I don't know. I believe she's a small girl, but I couldn't tell you for sure. It's a dog, Scott. It's a dog. We know nothing about Dora the Explorer or Twilight so far. I have God children. I know what Dora the Explorer is. God help me. I have one godchild. I'm mailing him a show. drum set. That's about as far as that goes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, uh, going through here, so then we have Percy going into everything about dog care and, you know, how dare you have a pet and if you don't feed them, they will die and such helpful things as that. Uh, there's a great well, moment. Well, Ginny needs to be told these things because she has not had the chance to play things on the Facebook. Do you know I have friends who I haven't seen since seventh grade sending me messages on Facebook asking me to send them dirt? I don't know what they're talking about. Deathrill sent me a sticker and I could put it on my front page. I still want to figure out how to put the social things on the front page. I can't figure the whole thing out. I want my soul sticker on the front page because there's nothing on my front page. My front page is boring. It needs to benefit from a sticker of salt. Well, then there's a great moment where they're all waiting for Ginny and Harry to get back to Borough and they're like, I I don't know what's taking them so long. And George is like, you think it could be because you've been a dipshit to them for the past 24 hours? 
trying to get away from you. And Percy's like, well done, Bill. And I'm like, okay, Percy's on your side. The way he's been written, absolutely. But the thing is, he usually either doesn't come to the house or blows up in the second paragraph, so you never see him progress to the point where this yeah, is how people like to kill yeah, Percy. Yeah, I feel like we haven't seen Percy in a long time, like, because Percy doesn't appear. Yeah, well, that would be why we haven't seen him, right? Yeah. I can't, can't remember the last fic we read that had a lot of Percy. That would be mine, probably. <laughs> okay, now that we got to Ron, uh, Jenny, you know, the fic, that, the ship that won't die, and we got to Harry Hermione, I don't know why, but I just found it inappropriate when Dora the Explorer attacks Harry and slices his entire body down the middle. Molly runs over to inspect his left thigh. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I know it was motherly and everything, but I'm like, and Harry's like, Mom, it's fine. Mom, it's fine. Mom! <laughs> and you read these too much, too much into these things. He's calling her mom. Okay, he brings up Ron Ginny, and no one says boo the him. I bring this up, and I'm a free guy. <laughs> then we get to Bill's real concern with the entire thing, in that Ginny is becoming Harry Potter's lackey. It's an interesting point, because, not for him to make it, but, you know, Ginny obviously has changed since she's been with Harry, and it takes Ron to point out she's changing for the better. She's a happier person. I like that it comes from Ron. Very insightful. I love Ron in this. Ron in this is giving Harry suggestions on rooms to go shag his sister. Like, this is a new and improved Ron. <laughs> I love it. It's, I got it summed up right here. Quote, Ron. Do I want to know what you've been up to? He asked cheerfully. Harry wasn't sure if he preferred the Ron who avoided all talk of his and Ginny's activities, or the new version who seemed to delight in catching them in the act. Harry had a sudden vision of Ron catching them in the act of something much more intimate and congratulating them. <laughs> no, do you remember Harry and Hermione from Harry and Hermione from POU where he's like desperate to see them together to prove they're actually a couple, so he's like sneaking around the house like a sex offender, like with cameras <laughs> trying to catch them at it. I'm picturing him walking into them in the bedroom. Harry, Jenny, congratulations! Group hug! And they're like, ah! Ron is just a voyeur. He really, he really, really is bad. Now, here's the thing. Harry usually has the stupidest lines. Like, he's not good in his feet sometimes, you know. Like, he is with Voldemort, but not usually with girls. Like, usually everything comes out, like, you know, Wongo Balmy. <laughs> so, I thought this was very profound, where Ginny can see the man of action in the in the woods watching her, but can't tell who he is. And was Goyle the dyslexic one, or was that crap? Was crap. What do you mean? From Aspen's fic, one of them was dyslexic the oh. whole time, and that's why we thought they were idiots. I think that was but crap. You think they would both that's have true. to be, because they're both idiots. That's true, too. So, well, we're not implying that dyslexics are idiots, but... We're I'm, implying that Crab and Goyle are idiots. I'm fine doing that. Also, apparently, gay lovers, but we'll get to that in a moment. So... I like that. They go and they start making out in Arthur's shed, which I think is a very constructive use of Arthur's shed. Because it's not like he's going to come in there anytime. He approves. He, so he approves. Okay. It's like, I'm Arthur Weasley, and I approve this message. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> before they went in there. So then Bill comes in and says, you're a lackey, and Ginny walks over and kicks him in the balls, and everything's progressing fine. Now, Harry... He's the guy that driving home from the fight was like, oh, damn, I wish I said this. It even rhymes. Like, he's not good on his feet with those messages. And he looks at Bill and says, I know what I want, Bill, he said quietly, buttoning his shirt. Maybe if it's written all over my face, you'd better read all the lines that are written there. And I'm like, that is profoundly deep for Harry in the moment yeah. while buttoning his shirt. Because usually you stop to make sure the buttons are lining up and you forget what you're talking about. Like, that was very impressive. And all I could pitch was snap. The way I read that, he was quiet while he buttoned his shirt, and that's where he thought of the line, and then he said it, and then he went. 
he's like, I remember this from a fortune cookie. I hope it's applicable. And he reads, he says the thing out loud, and it works brilliantly. So I thought that was good. Now, this is actually a line here I have that um, appeals to me, because my father passed away several years ago. And after that, you do this thing when someone dies, you, like, put them up on the pedestal. And, you know, if only they were here, they would know the thing to do. You forget the bad things, and you always remember the good things. And then you're thinking about one day, and you're like, you know what? He really sucked at golf. (laughs) And you kind of remember the actual person. She has a line in here um, when Ginny is at Fred's grave, you know, wondering what Fred would have thought of him. Fred would have been happy, she said softly. He would have understood. Harry said nothing, unsure if Fred would have been silent on the matter. He'd always be the first to tease. Perhaps it was just easier to believe that the people who were no longer here would have acted just like he wanted, because they could never let you down. Until he was 15, his father had been just like that. I love that last line. Until 15, his father had been just like that. Like, James never changed. It's all your perception of that person. Who knows what Fred would have done? So you spend the rest of your life trying to figure it out and you give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I just thought that was a really great line. And then Ginny asks him if he wants to have sex and he goes <laughs> incoherent again. Well, they're standing over Fred's grave, aren't they? I mean, that yeah, has happened. just a really inappropriate place to have Place in- it does in a cemetery. Well, no, they did it over Ron's grave in Pou. In, in, P-O-U. in P-O-U, they had sex everywhere. That doesn't count. Well, my <laughs> thing is, isn't there a family party going on twenty feet to the left? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my, they did some very my, inappropriate times to. You know, what? if Bill frowned, I would actually agree with him in that one particular case. That's a very <laughs> poor taste. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> agree. Yes. I like his line though, because he's like, no, well, yes, but uh, no. <laughs> Not in a cemetery. Well, then we get to the bit where Ginny says, everyone assumes I, I was experienced, and that's her thing that she's carrying. That's her cross to bear that she's carrying with her. It's that she goes back to Hogwarts for her sixth year, and everyone assumes that she's Harry Potter's girlfriend and that she's experienced because she's dated kids before. Oh, we just lose some stuff. He's doing very well tonight. Usually we would have lost him seven times by now. And it's only two. It's only two. So far. So say we all. So, so say we, we all. all. This is so cool. I love podcasting with you guys. <laughs> I love podcasting with you, too. You guys, too. Scott is now online. line. We'll grab him back in a minute. You know, she goes back to school. And I think this is great. She goes back to school, and everyone assumes that she's experienced. And, you know, it, it, it's actually a terrifying place for her because she's a target because she's Harry Potter's girlfriend. And she's not even Harry Potter's girlfriend. So she's even... If you're going to be accused for it, you better... you know. You might as well just be the thing anyway to get some mileage out of it. And she's not. So it's like a double whammy for her. And I loved when we read um, Year of Darkness because it showed a very awful, plausible version of what that year was like. And we got to talk on the podcast about how, you know, Harry, Hermione, and Ron debatably had it easy that year. You know, compared to what these people went through, it was a very different type of torture. And I like the fact that now Harry comes to grips with that. And it's not the same type of place, Hogwarts, for Ginny as it is for him. Like, he's going back because it's, you know, one more year to be a kid. For her, it's a very, very, very different thing. So I really yeah. like that line there. Well, it's it's definitely a bad situation for her. We, we've got some relevant to this story right now, the Phoebe Prince case. That girl was yes. bullied and tormented nonstop to the point where she committed suicide at yeah, the if, age of 15. If you're not following it, um, it's an Irish immigrant um, who moved to Massachusetts and she um, moved into the town and she dated the, let's say, the quarterback of the, of the football team. So then all the other girls who saw... And had sex with him. Right. So all the other girls who, you know, in town see her as, you know, 
cutting ahead in line because he's theirs on hers and all this juvenile crap and whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they can make your life a living hell with Facebook with with like torture doesn't stop at school anymore. And now you have you know Jimmy in the story. Jimmy's always the strong one. She's the one who fights off all of her brothers. And even in this fic, she terrifies everybody. Like she turns around and all the brothers like back up for paces. And you know she's at school and she's by herself. And you know Neville tries to protect her and Seamus and Dean. Well, Dean wasn't there. He was trying to fish in a frozen lake. But the the, the rest of them were trying <laughs> to um, you know cover for. Her. But this is you know Ginny was in serious danger there. And usually authors will show her as like the ringleader who you know can snap her finger and, and twelve you know freshmen will jump on the guy. Here she was really defenseless, and and it's very natural that she wouldn't be able to handle that. So I like the fact that she's not this ultra brave character that Harry actually has to attend to her. I thought that was really good. It's damn good writing. It's damn good writing. Thumping good read. It's a thumping good read. So then we get back to the end of the chapter. This is the end of chapter 22 where Harry and Ginny are back and um, you know Molly has checked Harry's left thigh again. Everything's fine there. Um, <laughs> is this our new thing? He asked Please, Ginny. Let, please. I thought you were saying it's checking Harry's left thigh or is, oh, Scott, you're frightening me. Every time you breathe out of your left nostril, you might want to adjust. Sounds like a okay. hurricane is coming through. <laughs> hurricane. Did you just say a hurricane? Yeah, hurricane. 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 Is this our new thing, he asked Ginny. wraps around. It is. Is this our new thing, he asked Ginny, as he guided the third mouthful to her lips. We're talking about cake, by the way. This is, <laughs> is this the way we eat chocolate cake now? Ginny closed her eyes as she pulled the cake off the fork and nodded. After she swallowed, she leaned for This is very graphic. This uh, yeah, it's her new thing. She said just before she kissed him softly. Like rubbed her flub, rubbed her, rubbed her frub, and this is in front of the entire family too. It's very graphic. <laughs> she tasted heavenly, and Harry lingered over the kiss. You two are insatiable," called George from the other end of the table. <laughs> I can't believe he actually knows what that word means. Said Hermione in an undertone. I would have yelled it. I don't know why she's talking in undertones. Highly inappropriate, Mother Percy. Leave them alone," said Bill quietly. He read between the lines. Yeah. Well done, Bill. Good for you. Well done. It only took you 22 chapters. 22 chapters. Well, he was rubbing Harry's head the first chapter. They were off in Australia going around the. Because it took him fifteen to realize anything was going on at all, and then it took him five to sort of come around. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't understand how he did genuinely read Harry's feelings when they were all palling around in Australia. How did he miss it? I think it was when Harry started looking more like the horny kid that he kind of is. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the, there's, I forget what chapter it's in, I didn't write it in my notes, but when Harry goes in Ginny's room and she's getting dressed and he stays the entire time, like, the look on his face for the next 72 hours must have been very great. Like, I mean, how do you miss that? Well, she invited him to stay and he was gonna go. Yeah, but tell that to Bill. <laughs> well, I'm even picturing this too. I didn't even ask Danielle's father. Like, I, I would never think to ask for permission when I proposed to her. But I didn't even give them advance notice because I had a death in the family and didn't think I should ask them in the middle of a wake. So, I mean, everyone's a little bit different. But that's that's something I've never experienced. Yeah, I don't think anyone has experienced it outside of Harry Potter and You think that mm-hmm. Bill is the only jealous older brother in the world? I don't think it's. Probably not that extreme. And you're like, well. P.S. P.S. When you're ready to tie the knot, I would like to meet him. How about that? Yeah. All right, there you go. Yeah, but not to basically well, not all gonna we're going to do is. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'd be the crab out. Right? I'd be no, the crab There, there will be threats, you know, treat her right or else they'll never find your body. But, you know, we'll let you go out and kiss and stuff. 
kiss and stuff. And then yes, next, to, next to stuff, like, there'll be an asterisk, and then down the stuff. bottom of the page, we'll define the statutory term of stuff, and you will not like it. As long as she is completely acquiescent to the possibility, fine. I would love to see your daughter when she starts dating. You guys are so sweet. <laughs> so we have Mr. Uh-huh. Granger get up in the morning, and uh, he's very excited about the ghoul in the attic. And Mrs. Granger's like, I think we need to find our own place. I don't think we're built for ghouls, which I thought was just terrific. <laughs> yes. she, she doesn't care so much for magic. Well, then my, my boss one day had to go testify in court, and he didn't think it was going to go very well. He's like, I didn't wear my pink shirt today. I didn't want to go to jail in a pink shirt. He looks at me. I'm not built for prison. I'm like, oh, my God. It's very similar sentiment to the uh, issue with ghouls right there. Uh, I love the part with the top ten wizarding heroes of our time. That eight was of, hysterical. Eight of which live in the damn house, which yes. I thought was interesting. Like, it would be funny if there's, like, one guy in there that we never heard of just to balance. Um and of course, it turns into a really, really strong scene because George is in there, but it's actually Fred. And she looks right yeah. at the picture of Fred, says, oh, it's George. And what kind of a mother am I? I can't even tell my own sons apart. And then she's like, well, I'm not really Fred's mother anymore, which, of course, she is. But that that sets her off even further. And I think this is the part where Ron's outside hugging George and everyone's hugging Molly because it's like they have positions because this happens so frequently. And it was a really, really strong scene because it's something that we, you know what it takes a joke from the canon you know honestly woman can't you tell which one of us is which and turns yeah. it into a thing well th- there's a lot of reference to the first book there's quite a lot of it and we'll get to that as we go through the chapters but I like that because things are coming full circle I like well, in uh, chapter 23 here well Ron in case you are not aware my parents do not know we've grown accustomed to er snuggling in the mornings you've forgotten I was not aware of that dear <laughs> <laughs> She's picking out condoms for Harry. <laughs> it's Hermione blushed heavily. It's not that I mind exactly, dear, but you are probably right to keep those sorts of activities private. It's like Book and of Ron Morgan, where says, they were like doing it in the living room, and Schmolly was coming down the stairs, Shmally? and they had to hide. Who is Schmolly? And Ron just says, "I do not want to discuss this with my mother." <laughs> And Harry says, don't discuss it with me either. <laughs> well, that is the part later on. I have to jump to it. This is also the chapter with Charlie in a towel, apparently. Yes, I, I commented on that. Ginny was spending too much time looking at her brother's muscular back. I think that was Keza talking through Ginny. There are a lot of... Harry, however, was much more interested in the idea of Ginny in a towel. He figured if they fixed Grimmel up, Grimmel place up, he'd give her her own bathroom. That's what I would do. I would really, you know, if I saved the world, I would find the shittiest house that reminds me of death and I would give my wife a bathroom there. I think Harry should buy elsewhere. Because apparently he's loathed. Alright, this is a scene a little bit later, but i got to do it here. You do look a little bit flushed, dear. Are you sure you're alright? Molly asked, looking at him concerned. Harry avoided her gaze by scooping more scrambled eggs onto his plate. He wasn't hungry, but he was desperate for something to occupy himself. This is the point where I thought Harry had an erection. I was trying to hide. I'm fine, really, he said to assure <laughs> Molly, who eyed him carefully. Very well, she said, eventually peering out the window. Where is Arthur with those eggs? I'll need them to do any baking today. She wiped her hands on her apron and untied it, hanging it on a hook near the door. I know, cried George suddenly. You look like you've been turned down. I've seen that look before. Four, he nodded sagely. <laughs> Harry flushed a brilliant shade of red. Molly turned to look at him. Now, this is the mother of, like, 23 children, okay? She's had this happen. Molly turned to look at him, her hands on the doorknob. 
which made me laugh for whatever reason. Harry became instantly fixated on a tabletop. Molly didn't say anything, but slipped quietly out the door. Now, I really enjoy this. This is a really cool Molly. She's not encouraging. She's not doing the thing where you're grounded until you're 30. She's not frowning. She's just like, you know what? Most of my kids are alive. Be grateful for what we have. Harry thinks she's going to, though. Can you make up her own mind about it? Right. Which is very interesting. Well, and they do talk about it. There's even a scene, too, where Ginny talks to Molly about when the the right time is to have sex. And I I guess if you want to know when the right time to have sex is, yes, Molly Weasley. But Yes, um, yes, she would know. But I thought that was even great, because how many kids actually, you know, set up meetings with their parents. So I thought that was actually a really Mm -hmm. great way to catch the right. But anyway, it it gets better. George hissed Harry, do you mind? George just grinned at him. She won't hold out forever, was all he said. Patience is a virtue in matters of, um, delicate matters. Shut up, Harry whispered frantically. Sterling Molly would be back at any moment to tear him limb from limb for even thinking of her daughter in that way. Why, Harry, I'm just trying to give you the benefit of my vast experience, George said loftily. Keeping it to myself would be a great service to you. Oh, really? asked Harry acceptedly. Vast experience. What exactly do you have your two galleons on? Just do me a favor. Stay out of my sex life. At this moment, Arthur, who was Carrying a basket of eggs, opened the door and strode into the kitchen, his wife at his heels. That's very good advice for all of us, was all Arthur said, as he put eggs on one of the sideboards down at the table. Harry, completely mortified and turning a fetching shade of red, if the warmth flooding his face was anything to go by, murmured something entirely unintelligible and bolted from the kitchen. Like that, I think it's just like the perfect scene right there. He's like, my sex life! Oh, hi, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, where you His non-existent sex life. Exactly. He he, that's the thing. He doesn't even have a sex life. But I'm drama. sure assumes he does. Yeah, drama, drama, drama. <laughs> so much fun. Going back to something serious that we were talking about before the um, the year that we didn't see, the year at Hogwarts, mm-hmm. when Goyle puts the Cruciatus curse on Ginny, yep. Neville recognizes her screams instantly. Yep. And you know it's because he heard him so many times. Well, it's the thing, too. I even love the fact that Crab was better with Cruciatus Curse, but they pretended that Goyle was better. So the yeah. Death Eaters would send Goyle after them more, and they could tolerate Goyle. But it's the fact that she endures the Cruciatus Curse every day for 21 days, suffers nerve damage over it, because she's caught with a picture of her and Harry that reminds Snape of Lily and James, which sets Snape off. So Harry finds responsibility in you know his own responsibility and the fact that Jitty was tortured, which is absurd. And it introduces the plot element that Harry doesn't know what in the... He's, you know, trying to follow Ginny around and knows what type of jewelry she likes. And he's trying to, you know, understand every inch of Ginny because that's his job. And he does not... Neville is the one that gets the fact that when she screams like this, it's the Cruciatus curse. And, and there's this entire year of her life that he knows nothing about. Well, that's a running theme. Everyone seems to have these moments and he doesn't know what's going on, and they look at him and go, oh, oh, well, that's okay. You weren't here. You don't know. Yeah. And he gets pissed. Like, he, like went on a world, he went on a world cruise, and he just happened to miss all Yeah, but he went camping. Which, that's he, what it was. I mean, he, 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 he also destroyed a war crime. I, he yeah, actually you know. didn't. He actually didn't destroy any horcruxes. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He did not second year. Yeah, not not on that trip. No, not on that trip. He just he just went to your camp and it was very misguided. Now here's my question: Harry gets a newt for supervising study hall. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> okay, that was my like. Does he give himself the newt? I believe he does. <laughs> that was the only part of the plan. I well, think you so. know what? You can justify the newt in defense against the dark arts. Qualifications defeated no. the ultimate dark lord. I haven't read beyond these chapters, but I'm calling him Professor Cat in the Hat. What is his problem? I'm- that prick. 
<laughs> I hate Ryan. <laughs> you realize he's played in my head by um. Yes, he's the cat in the hat. Well, it's it's he, he's the Grinch in my head, but I'm picturing him talking in rhythm. But I'm trying to picture here: like, is Draco Malfoy an, an aura? And Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. I'm like, is it Lucius Malfoy because he got out of jail because of an administrative oversight because they forgot? Page I 36. have seen Lucius teaching defense against the dark arts before. Ooh, ooh! I want to link Rebuilding Life by Keza to the 2007 Farm Bill. I promised Death Roll I'd do this earlier. Wow, that was subtle, Ryan. All right. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. So Lucius does not go to federal prison because they accidentally left out the page of Harry's testimony where he says, oh, by the way, he kidnapped people. He kidnapped Ollivander. He beat Luna. Like, we were all like, held in Hermione his house. was, like, electrocuted in his living room. About that. By the way, Don't Hitler that. lived there for, like, a year and a half. They killed Charity, whatever the hell her name was, the muggle in the, in the dining room. It was, uh, that was perfect. a, well, the part that gets me is that all was confined to page 36. There wasn't, exactly. like, an abstract page, or summary at the end. What page for all the bad stuff? You no, know, what happened was George Bush vetoed the 2007 Farm Bill. It was this big, dramatic thing. And after he vetoed it, they realized that the version he vetoed didn't have page 36 in it. So they're like, well, what does it mean? So he had to do the whole damn thing. He had to veto the damn thing all over again. It was just awful. <laughs> it reminds me very much of what Malfoy Great. And, and they painted him as doubly a bastard for vetoing it twice, right? Exactly. They, they did. They're like, twice have you taken food away from the monkeys or whatever the hell was <laughs> on the damn farm bill. But my thing now is, I'm thinking Cat in the Hat must be a death either, because really, who the hell would hire Cat in the Hat? Well, if there's no one left... <laughs> there is actually, there's actually no one left. Well, my question was, why don't you just make Harry... Here's the deal. You want Harry to come back to Hogwarts. We know Harry didn't go back for his last year. Why doesn't Harry go back and teach Defense Against the Dark Arts? We can fire Cat in the Hat... Huh? Yeah, I was wondering stupid. the same thing. And they can be a smarter Harry's version. Harry's not a teacher. Harry's a kid. Harry's a damn good teacher. Dumbledore's army? Well, he, he I hate <laughs> Fix where he comes back and teaches in his seventh year. It's I McConnell's mean. last year. She has senioritis. What the hell was... His seventh year. He already had his seventh year. He just okay, wasn't whatever. there. Harry can get his GED. Well, this is the confusing thing for me. Why did Malfoy go back? Because he wants the news? Because he didn't hear... So are they completely saying last year didn't count? Yeah, I they, think I that's mean, what also, they like, Seamus came back. I, that would annoy the crap out of me if I went back and got beaten every day and then like, oh yeah, that doesn't count. Well, it's the basic... Uh, Can you buy that time does, back? Does you wonder, if, did anybody have a normal year? Like, I would assume that they were all Well, my thing was McGonagall's teaching transfiguration. In Open Rebellion or were doing the torturing. So like, I have to think potions, transfiguration, and, um, and charms. herbology, charms, I mean... Like, what? Like, if you took muggle studies, you have to repeat. Like, if you took muggle studies, well, I guess they probably beat the crap out of the regularly, but you know what? Did they ban the class because they took Charity Burbank and No, they her? taught it. No, they in, taught in, it. The the oh, taught. yes, 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 yes. Oh, muggles are, like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Was that for real, or was that just that was Year of Dark? That, uh, that was real. Think, real. Electo, elect, well, we know in canon that Electo mm -hmm. taught it, and I think I think it's canon that everyone had to take it. Yeah, the whole scene with them talking about muggle breeding and stuff, that was in Year of Darkness, but we do know that she was the muggle studies teacher. Well, that's the thing. Year of Darkness was so well done, and I hate to say it, but you know, it, it's become a more or less accepted, for me at least, yeah. of what happened. It's my founder's fic. It's my tale of a time yeah. long gone, or long time gone, or the tale of a long time ago. The one about the frozen lake. and, and the You were right the first time, right? Whatever the hell the name of the thing was. It was a wonderful story, and I loved it very much. But yeah, I mean, Year of Darkness is 
essentially, you know what it is? This fic is almost, Kez's fic is almost Year of Darkness compliant, because aside from the fact that Ginny in Year of Darkness was a little too, well, she was a lieutenant, I think, and I think she got a salary, but other than, I mean, <laughs> I, I enjoyed Ginny much more through what Keza wrote, but the fact that it was open hell, you know, Hogwarts, I think, was... Mm-hmm. Is, is what I think of it. Um, just a couple of quick points I want to get to here. I love the fact that Neville came over to see Teddy at the borough and he got drafted into a prefect meeting. I just love that. Yeah. I thought that was great. And um, only Hermione could get away with that. Right. And then the man of action starts crucioing Ginny, who really good motherly skills here, drops her body over Teddy to protect little Teddy. And, and mm-hmm. they come over and they all beat the crap out of Goyle and he's fine. And then Malfoy is attempting to explain the fact that because he perceives Harry to have killed his lover. Goyle is killing Harry's lover, and Harry's not getting the point. And Malfoy goes, do I have to spell it up for you, Malfoy's side? Dumbledore wasn't the only fruit on the Hogwarts tree. <laughs> and there's a moment of silence, and huh, Uh-oh. said George after a prolonged silence. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I just thought that was totally great. But, mm. oh. And what I liked about that little bit there, they're, they're trying to hold Malfoy for uh, questioning, and he's just like, I want my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm picturing Hermione as the tribal warrior. That'd be great. Well, my thing too was I would have loved if George was like, hmm, that would explain the purple pip suits or something like that. Just like a <laughs> passing line. It probably would have crossed the line. I mean. Well, he wouldn't know. He hasn't seen the pensive memories. Don't ruin Ryan's kid like that. Okay. So then we get to chapter 24. I like where, how Harry tells George to shut up, and he does with a little bit of cheek, but only for a few moments. And then he goes back into cuts it Cuts right back into it. And George, shut up. Well, Percy, right yeah, because Percy's being the prick, and Percy's like, well, this is all obviously Harry's fault, because if she was not involved Harry, the man of action would not have tried to assassinate her in the, in the back garden. And then at one point, Charlie's like, Percy, shut up. And Percy's like, well, I don't have... And then they pick him up, and they, like, propel him out into the garden. We have Bill, who's, like, the head of the family, who's like, don't let there be any blood. Like, I'm like, oh my god. You have just earned yourself a right beating. Harry's use of the unforgivables. That was good, too. Well, technically, it was not illegal during that year, so I think... I like that. It's a technicality. Legal loophole. It is. They changed the law. It was perfectly legal. I, I, even thought, I thought that was pretty good at the time. It, it just makes me wonder uh, what they're charging all these Death Eaters with them. Because they all wear masks, right? That's actually a good point. Because, yeah, what would you charge them with over that year if it was... Yeah, it's like almost you have to prosecute everyone or no one. Well, I'm sure they could charge them with violating the laws that overthrew the ministry in the first place. Plus, you can't prove that Harry did anything because McGonagall's not going to tell anyone. No, certainly not. I think being a Death Eater is supposed to be a crime, too. So Yeah. Because yeah. um, that's what they were charging them for in some of the trials that Harry saw or something like that. I have a great moment here where Ron takes on Percy. Don't you Ronald me, shouted Ron. That must get really irritating. Everyone who sees <laughs> the movies goes home and calls him Ronald. Well, he's <laughs> endured it for a lot of fix. He has. You haven't changed at all. You're still calling Harry a liar. For Merlin's sake, Percy, you were there. You saw him with Hagrid. You saw him defeat that ugly bastard. What is it going to take with you? And then he goes into the whole thing about how, you know, Percy was the schmuck who abandoned his family inside of the dead and all that crap. And, and Percy's comeback line. You're going to hold past errors against me, Ronald? Percy seemed uh, irritatingly calm. Harry was feeling decidedly not calm, but Ron gave him no room to express it. You move on to when Harry shows his horror emblem, or I think Ron brings it in or whatever, and Percy 
his exact response was that this cannot be right. You cannot have one of those. It's very complicated. It's forms not blood. even you can get away with. Did you see the forms I had to fill out to get you your dog? Then at one point, Harry is like, "Do you remember the minister?" Asked Harry conversationally. Big bloke, nice voice. According to Witch Weekly, very little hair. <laughs> Percy looked at him starkly. <laughs> I know him. Piped up George, lovely bloke. Used to come round for tea. Oh, but of course, <laughs> Percy, you missed that. Right about the time you missed Harry here, as he was proved trustworthy. And Jenny, you know, growing up, Harry did notice the fireplace start to flare behind him. George? Yes, Harry? Shut up. George gave a little salute and cheeky grin. Panning over the shop, Fred and George's green and purple will. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was fun. That was helpful. <laughs> yes. Apparently they were fighting over the purple ink. This is all Fred's lines. I'm planning on not being dead, George. Let's give the shop to Harry. Okay, did we give him a third? Technically, did we tell him that? I don't think so. If it's just me who's dead, you can have half and Harry can have half. Sounds good, Fred. Same if it's me. No way, George. I'm keeping the entire thing. I mean... Let's hope for Harry's sake it's you then, Fred. Yeah, I mean, and that's the line that the thing ends on. And at some point, even when you lose people, you have to almost laugh at the... I mean, at some point, death itself, you have to find laughter in because it will just consume you. Recently realized I didn't have my father's um, voice on anything, so I found his old tape recorder that he used at work to um, dictate to his secretary, and there was a few seconds of just him talking on it. And I showed it to my mother, and she's like, oh, your father never returned that to his law firm before he left. And I looked at her, I'm like, ma... He died. <laughs> like, he didn't know he was going to leave. And we both laughed over it, because it was just a stupid comment to make. But, I mean, at some point, I think it's good that George stops breaking down every time he thinks of Fred. I mean, I think if he had read that line in an earlier chapter, he would have been, you know, inconsolable after that line. You know, let's hope for, you, for Harry's sake it's you, Fred. I mean, but now he's able to get past that, which I thought was good. Well, it shows the healing. <laughs> Harry disagrees with giving Ron a third, and George is like, well, I thought you'd be reasonable about this. I mean, he has worked on his... No, I'm giving him the whole half. <laughs> and who didn't see that coming? Good God, the man is a oh, philanthropist. Yeah. What does Harry need half of a joke shop for? Stop and think, my friends, what would Harry do for you? <laughs> <laughs> and then, near the end of this chapter, I believe it's um, in, in 24, when Ginny is, is just having her meltdown. The, the fact that Ginny... Ashley says to Harry, you weren't there. Like, the, like everyone says that, but the fact that Ginny says it, it shows that she's comfortable enough with him that even though that's, like, the thing that will always set him down, his, you know, depression streak, the fact that she can even say, you know, Harry, you weren't there. Like, he had the map. He could check on her. She couldn't check on him. And just how utterly difficult that was. And there's a great line in here where Harry realizes, when, I think it's when they're back at Hogwarts, Harry's like, what an absolute idiot I've been. When she said that when she saw me be carried out by Hagrid then I was dead and, she, and her life was over, I like puffed my chest out and I'm like, oh, that's good for an ego, you know, like if I died, my wife would be miserable and you feel actually good about that on some level because you're focusing on, on yourself and it means you're loved. But now he's seeing like the other end of that where she just didn't want to fight anymore and she lost her spirit. Keza hits all the right points with this. I think she milks the scene for all of the emotion that it has in it, which I think is a very good thing. So there's yeah. a lot of those moments in here I keep coming back to in my notes that, like, yeah. I just, I, she gets these characters very well, and you know a lot of its life experience. Now, I'm not referring to the time when Keza faked her own death and had a giant person carry her out of the woods, Australia. <laughs> but it's similar. <laughs> oh, not that time? That. Not enough to that. Not enough to that, but yeah. These characters feel very human. Yeah, and that's the thing. And sometimes, I, I think the complaints from earlier chapters was there were points where Keza, I think, tried to, like, force 
the round peg into the square hole and, and try to force the characters into situations, but they were always human characters. Now I think she got to the point in these chapters where where the situations can come together very naturally. And I actually have arguments in my notes here where it even comes out that that, that worked well. I could imagine that character saying that in response to that. And even though it's what they're saying is implausible, the, the fact that they would say it was plausible. She does very well at balancing the light moments and the heavy moments. Yeah. Ginny's yeah. having her breakdown, and then five paragraphs later, the mirror is muttering at them about kissing in front of the mirror. And, <laughs> yeah. Better know. not let her mother catch you at that. Well, then they go to uh, Percy's office, and he thinks he's being stalked by a crazy person. And Harry's like, it's your secretary. She's trying to give you papers to sign. He's, like, hiding under his desk. <laughs> yeah, and they have to get an appointment with Percy so they can go tell him off. Exactly. <laughs> you have to do it during ordinary business hours. Well, that sort of emphasizes the point, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So, Stella, she stalks you to get you to sign things. Yes, she does. Sounds like a secretary. The fact she is my secretary is neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> you find out what Percy's demon is, is. It's twofold. Number one, he wasn't there for so long, he missed the fact that he grew up. The second thing is Harry saved Ginny when he was 12. So this thing about them not being able to have a pet is absolute BS. And he was the senior Weasley at the school, as far as I can tell. So he's a sixth year. And the second year, Gryffindor saves Ginny from the Chamber of Secrets, and there was nothing he could do about it. And he failed Ginny then, and then he left his entire family, he failed his entire family, and now he's back. And the only way he can have, I think, any self-confidence, or be able to heal himself, is to hang on to the fact that even though I've been gone all these years, even though I made a lot of mistakes, it's all water under the bridge, everything's fine. I'm actually older than them, I'm smarter than them, I'm still useful. So even though I left, I didn't have to give an inch. So I still can explain to them that they don't know anything about pets, and I can still explain to them that their behavior is inappropriate, and they will listen to me, because it's while they're under the bridge. And that's how Percy has to see the world, or else he is reminded every day of the fact that he is now essentially a subordinate, because he lost his pecking order and he lost his seniority, you know, for all intents and purposes, because he he gave all that up. And I think for anyone who has to give up something like that, it... it, it really would be helpful if you could just think, oh, it wasn't worth anything anyway. I kept all the good parts. And he, and he obviously didn't. So that's where all this comes from, which I think is great. And of course, I get caught up in the thing, and anytime a character is a, a, is a prick, I want them to go backward with purpose on their ass and, you know, like, not talk to them for three years and, like, show them the pensive and make them frown. And of course, it doesn't <laughs> come that way. Yes, Percy's olive branch is to give Harry the, his book, Your Year as Head Boy, How to Make the Most of It. Oh. <laughs> exactly. He's trying. That's the By Herbert Hornblast. Thanks. He's trying. No matter how difficult <laughs> Percy was to get along with, giving him this book meant he was making an effort. The fact that Harry had no intention of ever opening the book was neither here nor there. <laughs> well, that's my comment at the very beginning of Chapter 25. Percy sees the light. Yes. Finally. <laughs> I was nervous after that, because the story begins, and it's the characters all sniping at each other, and then there was the scene with Harry and George where we didn't think it, it worked very well. And then you get to the point then where, okay, we're off to Australia to pick up the Grangers. So they go to Australia, they have all these experiences in Australia, and then they get the Grangers. Like, they could have been going there to pick up sunglasses. It didn't seem like the Grangers were that appropriate. So then it becomes a story about Bill and, and Percy, and that was the one that really resonated with me. Because I love when characters get angsty like that because it gives me something to hate 
other than my commute. So now <laughs> Bill's fixed and Percy's fixed. And unless Arthur starts to become a prick, I don't know where the story is going. So I was actually nervous because when characters are like that, I can't put the thing down because I need to get to the point where they're told off. Like backward with purpose, I don't think I slept because you need to get through that angsty period. So I was actually nervous here while I would still want to pick up the tickets much because now everything's nice, resolved, everything's fine. So that was actually a concern I had getting to this point in the story. I thought you were going to be nervous because, oh, they're all happy now. Obviously, someone's going to die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think that cat in the hat dude has something to do with it. I don't trust <laughs> we, him. We can't have nice things. You know what I was actually wishing would happen here? I was wishing on some level that Keza would break Harry's kneecaps in joke of it. <laughs> Why is everyone nervously laughing? <laughs> because I don't think breaking people's kneecaps is nice. At least you said it with a Baltimore accent, so we're fine with that. So there's a line that a mother says to her children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care if you're talking to Harry Bloody Potter himself. You do not wander off. <laughs> and of course, Harry Bloody Potter is standing right there. He needs to wear a name tag during many of these scenes. Like, Gilbert and Sullivan. Ah, Harry name my name. It's Harry Bloody Potter. They don't get it's Harry as the head boy until, like, day four. I know. It's hysterical. They, they just absolutely don't it's get like, it. It's like, has his picture not been plastered all over the Daily Prophet? Undesirable <laughs> number one, if nothing else. And I have some comments on Gilbert coming up in a couple of minutes here, because I'm seeing I can't things. read Gilbert and take him seriously, because in my head I just... Picture me. The, I actually no, wrote Keza I, I hate take, mail. I'm like, I am obviously the source of Gilbert, because he won't stop Mon Walking. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now I, I take the uh, the other brother, whatever his name is, and I just name him Sullivan, and that's all I, I that's can think. I well, then uh, Gerald, because apparently Keza was about to write this when we did POU, and I kept commenting on Hermione's boyfriend, Gerald. And that was like <laughs> oh. the source of something. Like that. God, Poofwainian jokes—they're littered all over the They're, thick. I love it. It's like we're shitting them all over the place, it's much like the burger found in my bedroom. <laughs> well. Read year four, Ryan. I think we should cover it in year four. I think the peon should pick up. Your year four and our year four. That would have such feng shui. That'd be cool. That's just beautiful. It's a beautiful it is. I'm tearing up a little bit, so I need to move on to chapter 26 just to save myself. Oh, I'm still in chapter 25. I, I have a... What do you got? I have tricking wizards with trick candles is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they try to finite incantata, but it doesn't work. And I don't understand. That's some really good magic. And... Art says to him, wow, that's quite a spell. Well done, boys. <laughs> I love how he's now officially Art Weasley. That's he like, is. That's and all Mr. is the one who bought these candles. And, with, and as soon as that comes out, Harry and Hermione get the joke, and they just collapse laughing. And well, I love the, the fact that he does it. And like, for all you know, if you try and use joke candles in a wizarding household, it could like break down the space-time continuum, and all of a sudden, like Harry's dating Hermione. So that was that would be an interesting. Well, I wasn't going to go there, but that'd be interesting if that happened. That space-time continuum ended, and like rocks fall, everybody dies. The borrow explodes. Like just because they use trick candles. Because yeah. Well, you could end the fic right there because a lot of people's issues have been resolved and everyone's realized Harry and Ginny love each other. The end. Bye-bye. Exactly. They could end do of the right universe. There. Well, no, exactly. it's, no, it's like if they try and watch a DVD of Hogwarts and the castle blows up, it's the same basic principle. <laughs> I don't think that's what happens. I think it would short out and they'd be like, yeah, like some type of fire. I think it just oh, doesn't speaking work. Speaking of fire. fire uh, oh, God. <laughs> it's in the context where they're talking about Harry Potter and he's standing right there. I think this is on the platform. 
Uh, and they're saying, oh, Harry did this and Harry did this. And all I could think is Braveheart. Harry Potter is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundreds. <laughs> he were here. He'd consume the Death Eaters with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his ass. And then the deer that attacks Brynn's car saunters up and is like, like ninja, leave quickly. And like goes up the train. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I had to go to the ninja I had to go to the ninja gear. Then of course, um, I'm so glad you saved that. Luna looks over and looks at Neville and says, "We need to go out now." Like, <laughs> and he's like, "Excuse me, I am the commander of Dumbledore's army. Big pardon." And she's like, "Romilda Vane is telling Lucy Waterford and Chelsea Stone that she was going after you this year, and nothing is going to stand in her way." Luna yeah. asks Neville suddenly, "Yes, Neville, would you like to go out with me?" <laughs> <laughs> and then they even it, well, then the, the cool thing about this is that uh, Luna does it here, and Neville does it earlier, where they're like, where um, he's talking about um, Hannah Abbott, and Neville and, and Luna's like, "What?" Well, you should marry her someday. And they're like, but you're asking him out now. And I, well, the response practice on me. Yeah, the response we, we all don't know our soulmates right from the beginning. And Neville even says that earlier. Because yeah, they're we're like, not all that lucky. Yeah, what happened it's, with. And I think Bill hears the first bit, but not the second bit about how Harry found his soulmate. That probably would have been helpful, but. Maybe. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very cool with that. And then you get to the plot point where, where all the kids see the fast rolls and they all start freaking out because, like, everyone can see the fast rolls. Well, I like that. I thought that was yeah. great writing. I th- and this is the point where Harry realizes Hogwarts isn't fun for a lot of people because he did miss so much and it's you come back to school and you see you have post-traumatic stress you see the castle where you got tortured all last year and now it's all of a sudden rebuilt it's like if if something awful happened it's like buying a house that someone was murdered in or like a loved one got murdered in or something it's like there was a burglary in my house so my mother had to paint every room because it had to be a different place I mean people get finicky and you can't march these kids back into the room where Harry killed Voldemort and where Ginny saw Fred's body and expect them to just eat. But that's what they do. So it's 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 I like the fact that, that it's it's traumatizing for everyone but Harry, because the last time Harry was here other than the battle was his sixth year. And granted Dumbledore had died, but he didn't live through a year of torture at the school. He lived through like four and a half hours of torture at the school. Yeah. Once again, he wasn't there. Yeah, he wasn't right. there. It's a running theme we keep coming back to. This chair re- remains a monument to the bravery and sacrifice of those headmasters who gave their lives in service and defense of this school during the Second War, Albus Dumbledore and Severus Snape. I love the fact that everyone recognizes the fact that Snape was a good guy in this fic, and like Harry doesn't have to get on his soapbox and prove it. Tying into that, I really like later on how Harry insists that Snape needs a portrait in the headmaster's office. Because that's canon, that Harry insisted that go up there. Did he? I believe that was, because originally he didn't get a portrait in canon, and oh. I believe that he... Where is this? Where is all was, this random canon? It was uh, <laughs> one of the Joe interviews, I believe. Oh, I don't, I don't... Well, she wrote the damn thing. We got Oh, what the hell does she know about it? What year was Flint in? You will never get over that, and you sent him home to take care of Nana. I but fixed it. You, did, it. you did fix it, and we're approaching the... Sorting Hat song, which he wrote, so calm down. Why don't you sing it for us? I think we're going to have him do that in just a mo. As Harry very would good, say in good. POU, just a mo. Just a mo. Just a mo. I, I don't know why, but I really love this part here. I couldn't bear to sit in it, said a soft voice at Harry's shoulder. It's a wonderful monument, Professor, said Harry, turning to face McGonagall. I'm sure you'll follow it through footsteps brilliantly. Only for this year, Mr. Potter, she answered. I'm getting old, Harry. School needs someone younger. You blush. Looks suddenly as old as she turned away. Now, I <laughs> McGonagall picture... looks older than she ever looked yes, before. Exactly. 
exactly. You know, like her lips were in a line, and she had the walker <laughs> with, the, with, with the tennis balls. But I always pictured she retired. I just didn't picture it was like the year after. But it does yeah. give this a sense of of change. Like this is McGonagall's last year, and if you think about it, everyone's gone. Snape is gone. Dumbledore is gone. McGonagall's leaving. Everyone's leaving, and it's the point where you realize that without consciously being aware of it, everything has now changed. And I think that's a really good move that Keza made McGonagall retire the next year because it, it does just accelerate the fact that things are changing. And my thought on this is, at some point the student becomes the professor and you become equal with people, like you become equals with your parents and, and you become an adult. And Harry has always been treated like a normal kid at Hogwarts. Granted, you know, they gave him a broom in his first year and he's had some privileges, but they, they gave him detention and, and they enforced the rules and he, they, they tried not to treat them differently. And now Harry has agreed to go back to Hogwarts, but he's just done this amazing thing and everyone is suffering and everyone is traumatized and I think it's just odd that Harry is back at Hogwarts. So he goes back. He's having a conversation with McGonagall here, like a perfect equal. And within a couple of moments, he's going to be holding his wand at Draco, and McGonagall's going to be threatening him with, with detention. And now he's the head boy again. And if I were Harry, I honestly think I would last at the school for like three days and have to leave, because you can't just flick a switch and go back into student mode. Because he's more than that now. He's a leader, and he is an adult, and I just think I think Ron had it right. I don't think Harry can go back to Hogwarts. So that was my... like. He walks out of Muggle Studies class, and he, he, I, I think that's right. He doesn't... Like, like what's McGonagall going to do? Give him a detention? I'm sorry, but you know, Ginny matters, and you know, finding Gilbert and Sullivan's father matters, but you're going to go to potions and study this year? I understand he needs the new, but... On some level, I think I would need to take a year off and clear my head or something. I just don't know how he could do that. I I don't understand Mm -hmm. why they don't just relax the rules that say you have to be in the class to take the newt. Like, why can't you get your GED? Just go take the test. Well, maybe he doesn't know enough to take the test. Like, I I imagine for subjects like anything but Defense Against Dark Arts, he doesn't know enough to just take the test. There is that. I mean, Hermione could do it, but I think Hermione want to take the class. Hermione could too. Yeah, she wants to take the class. She could tutor him. I mean, he could do the study. Oh, I'm sure he could. He, he I could think. do that, but I, I, I agree with Ryan. I don't think Hogwarts is necessarily the right place for him right now. And you know what? I like the fact that the rules still apply to Harry Potter, and I like the fact, like we were talking about the Battlestar Galactica, I like the fact that 20 billion people can die and the world can end, but Bill Adama is still wondering where he has to sign the, the requisition forms. <laughs> like, you can't yeah. escape things at some level. Mm-hmm. I just think that they're the only trappings of civilization they have left. Right, exactly. And my thought is here, I like the fact that Harry, you know, even though he's defeated Voldemort, he still needs to pass the damn course. <laughs> like, it doesn't count. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I do like that. I just think that if I were Harry, like, I, I, I wouldn't care. I couldn't pause. If something like that happened, yeah. like, if Ginny needs help, I would walk out of class. And he does. I mean, but mm-hmm. you don't, you, you just don't care. But that doesn't matter, because Death Rule's going to sing. At least he is head boy, though. He is. Yes. I couldn't imagine Harry coming back and having to be a prefect under Zachariah Smith or somebody. Snap for Draco. Look at that little demotion right there when I was head boy. <laughs> Shut up, you're a prefect. You suck so much you're repeating the year. Well, I, I had a question about that. Just how many damn seventh-year prefects are there? Everyone's a seventh-year. <laughs> because you've got all I guess the if seventh-year is double now because it's last year, sixth year, plus last year, seventh year, so you have to repeat. But now you've got 15-year-old first years. I think it makes sense to have No, you do. Effect. What if you have a 17-year-old who never went to Hogwarts? Why would a 17-year-old have never gone to Hogwarts? Because they were homeschooled. homeschooled. And now you, people... That's the thing, is how old is Gerald? 
Mm-hmm. He's older I got the than impression Solomon. he was like 13. Yeah. So now, like, this is going to be like the thing where you have the elementary school where you have the one kid who has a parking space. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, really, you're going to have, they're going to be shading in first. You're going to have a 24 year old seventh year at some point. This is going to be disastrous. It's I was like wondering why they can't just the test in, why they can't just test into, you know, whatever year they learned, like if they were homeschooled and to a certain mm. When Maybe that's what they do next year, but right now they're not organized enough to have a test for that. I think for the next seven years, the school's going to be run a lot like most community colleges. I think it's going to be like, like you know, the first years wake up and their roommates shaving in the corner. Like, I think it's going to be really kind of, it's going to make dances complicated. Oh, this is not going to go well. <laughs> Death roll, sing the damn thing. Although I look quite ragged, if you're careful, you will see. I've reason tacked the braggart, but don't be afraid of me. I'll look inside your head, my dears, and we shall... I'll sort you out, for I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat. So dance and sing and shout, for I shall know where you're to go. I'm smarter than the rest. Just put me on and you shall see that I know what is best. From brave and boiled Gryffindor, some heroes there have come and made the world a safer place so we could have some fun. A Hufflepuff is patient, truer friend you'd never seek. Despite their soft exteriors, they're loyal but never meek. In Ravenclaw you'll find those kind so full of wit and brains... They study hard and can tell you about the other planes. Slytherins are cunning, of this no one will deny. But underneath the sorting hat, I see their complex minds. If in the distant future, just as in the distant past, the houses fight for dominance, Hogwarts will end at last. Let's put the past behind us and move on as best we can. Dark times are left behind us if we just stick to the plan. So as the founders wanted, friends, let's start a new school year. And let the hallowed Hogwarts halls be without former fear. Now, what was interesting about that was he actually did that from memory. He has absolutely no visual aids in front of him whatsoever. Now, Dethril wrote that for Keza. Now, it's 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 a very wonderful song. I love the part about how Hogwarts will end unless we... Basically, he, no, he's putting himself out of a job. <laughs> a Come here while I divide you, you into divisive groups that will promote hatred and stereotypes for the rest of your lives. Come here, but by the way, we must all learn to be unified. <laughs> Says me. So say we all. So say we all. He's the Berlin Wall talking about how we can't we all just get along. I think that's fascinating. Now here's my question: What did Kessa originally have? It was bad. (laughs) No, she admits this. She She admits admits this. this. Author's notes. It had very bad rhyme meter. Uh, It it was ugly. I do notice that you repeat the ending behind us fairly close together, but apart from that, very well done. Deathrill is a perfectionist, because I got a message from Deathrill, Ryan, I want you to know that I thought you were brilliant as Dumbledore in the Masterfic Theater production of my fic. I'm like, oh, you know, you're welcome. I thought you got it just right. I'm like, well, this is high praise from you, Deathrill. I thought you spoke a little too fast, though, but 25% too fast. Other than that, it was perfect. I'm like, thank you, Deathrill. This is for you. (laughs) It was was goofy and zany, exactly the sort of Dumbledore I was trying to Right. Well, I, I am very glad. I think, well, Scott obviously edited the entire thing together, but I think the hold music applause, helps set the tone applause. of the scene. Oh, the elevator music. Oh. <laughs> the <laughs> ministry. I'd like to thank you. <laughs> I thought that was great. All right, here. So obviously we have the, the sorting, and then Ginny runs for her life. Now, at this point, Harry does what anyone would do when Ginny runs out. Now, you're Harry Potter, okay? You're Harry Potter. Think about your last six years at this school. Think about your year away. Think about the, the, the things that you have when someone goes missing what you do. So what Harry does is he calls John Walsh of America's Most Wanted. <laughs> and they do a special UK-based episode 
of America's most wanted because it's basically Scotland's most wanted right now. And they have like the helicopters flying overhead. They're doing an aerial search of Hogwarts. And after 12 and a half hours, Hermione says, Harry, did you think of using the Marauders map? He's like, no, it <laughs> no, never occurred to me. The Weasleys, if only we had a famous friend who would be on the cover of, of the <laughs> Prophet, which is in my hand at this moment, but I'm so concerned and thought I can't even look down to see if there's a famous person on it. And now Harry forgets <laughs> that he has access to the Marauders map. It, it bothered me that he didn't think of it, because what did he spend the whole camping trip doing but watching Ginny on watching the Marauders Ginny map? on the map. It's like, it's if like only a, we had a device that if could only find had... someone on Hogwarts. <laughs> we only have the technology. Maybe he has an iPhone. There's an app for There's that. an app for that. Well, and Hagrid uh, sends a letter. He's like, I found your wife. Well, but even before that, I <laughs> found your wife. Your wife needs you. Uh, before Go home and we, kill the bird. Ginny, <laughs> uh, during the last year, Ginny used to sleep in Harry's bed when she had a bad day. What? Wouldn't that be awkward for Seamus and Neville? Yeah. Well, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think at that point, like, think of Dumbledore's army in the Year of Darkness, okay? I think that you would have a situation where, you know, they're all bonded together, and they're all... I think that you would lose your sense of shame very quickly, I think. that I actually really like well, that Well, you know, I'm just reading that line, and I'm starting to think... I'm, well, I she's know not now. sleeping naked in the bed. I mean, well, I'm just thinking she's sleeping in the boys' dorm. I know where she's getting her reputation from. That's actually true because people would know that. Yeah, could be because no one else knows. She just keeps going up into the boys' dorms. Well, yeah. then you have the rumor starting that Harry, Ron, and Hermione slept in a tent together for nine months. About took a while. Wow, wow. I mean, you have a lot of you know rumors starting there. But no, I I, I thought that was a really interesting thing to add in because I think wasn't it that Neville says it to Harry or somehow it's it's, yeah. it's brought out in the vein of another thing you don't know by the way because if in case you forgot yeah. you weren't here yeah you weren't <laughs> here forgot well, don't worry we were fine and then Neville printed out Year of Darkness and gave it to Harry they, they beat us with yeah. regularity asking where you were we, we we got past it we're fine they 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 dyed all of our hair purple we like it I mean like it's 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 bad now we have Professor Crockwell who is Crock- the love child of Professor Trelawney and Molly Weasley. It is so wrong. Right. What do we have here, seventh years? You look like seventh years. I must say, seventh years, seventh years. I've got your timetables here somewhere. I do declare I am quite the dither this morning, and I dare say you all know better Not than Not just I, this morning, dear. I haven't been back morning. here in so long. Quite forgotten how this all works. The motherly-looking witch was shuffling through an armful of parchment as she spoke. I mean, like, she's... You know what it is? You, you like her? She's just a doofus. So uh, you actually feel bad because she's not trying to be like Umbridge, but she's being like Umbridge. Yeah. It's like the uh, the image Umbridge projects. Only the real thing. Right. Yeah, this is what Umbridge was trying to pretend to be. Yeah. Failed miserably at the entire Although, thing. I don't think Umbridge really wanted to pretend to be incompetent because no, this, I, I like this poor woman looks like she's... Six and she thinks she's doing well. With. She's trying to help other friends. She's trying to do it in charity, whatever the hell her name was, memory. She's trying to fix what was done to, yeah. to, to Well, even she first years have to take it now, yeah. which is a nice change. She wants to fix, she wants to do exactly what the, what the death in, did. In, in the their defense, that's a good intention, because these people know nothing about muggles. I mean, Arthur Weasley, and, who is a muggle expert by wizard standards, thinks that it's electricity or whatever. Yeah. So I think they should, they could stand to a little cultural education. But then you yeah, have it's, the It's part a great idea, it's just bad implementation, which is what happens when the government gets put in charge of things like this. Oh, for the love of God, it wasn't the government, it was... Oh. What the hell's her name? Crockwell came up with the staff idea. 
Now, I have a question for you all before we get back to Professor Crockwell. I'm going to read something, okay? Tell me who it reminds you of, all right? Very good. I need to send a letter to Mom. Gerald wouldn't give me any parchment, and mine got all wet because I was carrying it in my pocket, and I sort of got too close to the lake, but it's drying now, so I should be all right in the end, but I can't write on it yet, so all I've got is a pot of green ink. I lost the blue ink. I know, I know, I know. Who is it? It would be Harry Potter from the Psychic Serpent Trilogy. Who else does it remind you of? Creepies. Thank you. P.S. got that one. Exhibit B. What sort of owl do you have? won't shut up about it. What sort of owl do you have, Mr. Potter? I always liked owls, you know. They seem very wise. Before I knew they carried posts, you know, I always liked them. I bet your owl is special like you. I can't wait to meet him. Is it the him? Maybe you've got a girl owl. Probably a grand bird. How long have you had her? Is it a her? Maybe you can't tell with owls. Yes, they're all neutered more. <laughs> Harry I think Leather. the milkman is a death eater. Exactly. <laughs> the real milkman is tied up in the back of his truck, and I hope he's not going to get in trouble, and I hope the milk's not going to go sour, and what if he's got a family? And- Previously yeah. on Battlestar Galactica, okay. there's... Yeah. Here, look, there's a tent. Let's go in the tent and see what's in the tent. There's chairs in the tent. Do you like yeah. chairs? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I win this. What do you think they're going to do in this tent? As far as Potter yeah. characters go, though, he reminds me of the Creepies. Creepies 2.0. You want Colin to walk up and meet this kid and go, Oh, God, was oh. I really like that? Well, oh. unfortunately, Colin would be a ghost because he's club. dead. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. But I know. Or even worse, they would really hit it off. I like Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter, too. I like to take pictures of Harry Potter. I like to look at pictures of Harry Potter. Well, they set Percy up with, uh, with um, yes, they did. I, mean, I mean, it's like, you seem like a snob. I have a brother that you would love. Seriously, I'm picturing, like, <laughs> Percy in one of those big brother, big sister programs. Exactly. They look alike. They've got the similar glasses. <laughs> oh, editor, we need here the theme from the My Buddy commercial. Oh. My Buddy and kid sister, if you have time. Y- yes, yes, indeed. All right, now I love this bit here. We need to counter the injustices of the past year. She began weakly sounding as if she was reciting a prepared speech, and then after Harry puts her in her place, saying that you can't rate, you know, pure bloods and. and and half-bloods, you know, according to how much they know Arthur Weasley, so pure blood who knows more about Mungles than anyone else. I mean, you just can't do that. This is so much more complicated than I thought it would be, she said wearily. I wanted to make Charity proud of me, and I've just gone and messed it up. I mean, she's trying to do something for her dead friend, and she's not trying to be prejudiced, but she is, and Harry was so angry with her, and then Harry felt momentarily guilty for being so hard on this woman. She didn't seem to be causing harm intentionally. It was obvious, however, that no one had yet drawn the conclusions which Harry had. And this is the bit where Harry isn't just a student. He's like telling professors they're being dipshits and they need to try something else. I mean, Maybe he's acting as a provisional or... Exactly. Which apparently you're not supposed to do. Really, instead of being head boy, he should have been the TA or something. <laughs> This the fact part. that he is head boy is the only reason that whole scene is even remotely acceptable. Because it's his job to assist the teachers, and he is assisting the teachers, just not in a way the teacher likes. This is true, but I think she's a little too intimidated by him as well that she's not going to. Well, once she finally realizes who he is, she puts her glasses on, squint. No one can recognize Harry. Like, does he have, like, a mustache in this? Like, what's going on? <laughs> All right, now here's the part where Ron is wearing and- the glamour from. Oh God, he looks like He's Little Miss Snape. Little Miss Snape. Oh. Oh. oh God. <laughs> 
Alright, this is the bit where I thought this shows that Keza has improved so much as a writer since the George uh, Harry scene of earlier. Now, following it plot-wise, Ginny disappeared, Harry called John Walsh, Hagrid found her, Harry and Ginny sleep on the floor of Hagrid's hut, they sneak back to the castle, the password's Harry Potter, McGonagall catches Ron, he doesn't even go there anymore, and now Ron is being a jerk to... Ginny, which I think is refreshing, because Percy's fine now, and so was Bill, so we need an idiot Weasley and Ron showed up, so we're doing very well. Your your concern for me is overwhelming Ron, said Ginny sarcastically. So really, you don't care what sort of trauma I suffer as long as I don't inflict any worry on your precious friends, because as we know, Ginny is a little sensitive to the trio, because earlier Harry left her in bed to go sleep with Ron and Hermione. And then, don't you dare say Neville isn't capable of supporting anyone, Ginny hissed threateningly. You always underestimate them. Oh, really? And how would you know, Ginny? Ron said, staring at her wand as if it were nothing more than an innocuous stick. Get plenty of support from Neville last year, did you? So now it's bad when Ron is calling Ginny a whore. That is never a good thing. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Now it's the same sort of thing that's been applied to Harriet. Now it's applied to Ron. You weren't here. Well, we're getting to that, but now it's the point where Ron is treating Ginny like everyone else does. Ron is making these assumptions, and now... Harry's standing there knowing, oh no, oh no, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, and Ron's going there. Now we're to the point now where Ron is, he's being down on himself, and he's saying, you know, that no one would miss me and, and all this stuff. So the, the part which I really like here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this one paragraph. Don't be ridiculous, retorted Ron. Everyone always gets along fine without Ron. What about Ron, huh? What about Ron, huh? This is him from Gobble of the Fire. Clearly not, if this little display has anything to go by, Mother Jenny. You seem a bit mental to me. Maybe Ron's decided to move on, abandon his friends before they abandoned him. It was quicker than Harry had ever seen, and he wasn't sure when it happened, but Ron had his wand out before Harry could blink. Hermione gasped in shock. Now, Ginny says to Ron, you abandoned your friends. Now, she knows that Ron abandoned Harry and Hermione. And she says to him, you abandon your friends before they could abandon you. So the question I would have originally was, well, is this like the scene with George earlier, where Harry just wouldn't say that, he would think. Now, I think Ginny would say that, because when Ron's putting down others for leaving him, when Ron is putting down others, the natural reaction, if you're pissed at him, is to put him down for the same thing. And that's exactly what Ginny does. So I thought that scene flowed perfectly. And then, of course, Harry gets in the middle and gets shot. He gets, what's oh, he yeah. But Trevor gets Totalis, and, and he's got the bat bogeys going on. And he's he, Like, every, he gets stunned. He gets shot with the, they hit him with the blender, which I thought was rude. It's like I just don't know why he was, the one book. I don't know why he was in the crossfire that, why didn't he just get out of the way, let them take care of it? This is between brother and sister. Stay out of it. He and calls Harry them mom up. and dad. He's an honorary family member. Harry winds up in the hospital wing again. He tripped over a tree root. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. He was drunk. But I thought that did work really well, because as Ron takes that position, that you know everyone leaves Ron, everyone would get along fine without Ron, Ginny's first reaction would be to fire back at him. Oh, really? Because aren't you the one that leaves everybody? And that just, that's the point right there. And that's the sense of the bit that Ron hasn't addressed yet. And then you get back to that, that Ron did do that, and people did move on without him, and it was the biggest mistake of his life, and that is something that is the raw nerve. So now, if you know this, Ron will never leave 
Harry and Hermione. The minute Hermione needs him, Harry needs him. He's there in a minute because he has to make that up to them for the rest of his life now. So I just thought that was a really, really great scene. I love that scene. And Harry wakes up in the hospital wig again. Just How a little familiar. Does that make? Pomfrey kicks him out. She's like, I'm sure you'll be fine. Get out. Your head is hard enough. If you start seeing double, come back. I think that'd be great if he's like, but don't you need me to stay here for a little bit longer? Get out! Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Harry is quite the little eavesdropper, isn't he? He really is. He was listening in for pages and pages. I'm not sure how long it took you to hear in the text reader, Ryan, but my God, the conversation between Ron and Ginny there, I mean... Well, yeah. This is what you do when you have a third-person limited narration. You have to have a lot of eavesdropping. Oh, this is why people turn Harry into a spy. All I can picture was Ron from POU trying to catch Harry and Hermione touching each other. He's like sneaking, like in the bushes outside. So you're saying Harry was trying to catch Ron and Ginny touching each other? I think that's what I inadvertently went for, yeah. Yeah, don't go there. Uh, I like how Neville and Hermione got in trouble for being out of bed, even though they were still in the common room. Yeah, what the hell's up with that? Well, I love I the fact that later on, they're like, Ron, are you like Dumbledore and you can see through invisibility cloaks? Because the thing is, one of the Deathly Hallows, and he's like, I could see your feet. Yeah. What is yeah. it where Ron gets a magic eye? Like me. I remember the one he became a werewolf. Oh, uh, magic eye, um, lavender brown. Yeah. Yeah. Hermione mm. buys it. Her parents are dentists. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yes. flying back to me. I'm like a wealth of valuable information. I've had coffee. Can you tell? Yes. Okay. A little bit. Just double yeah. checking that. Just a bit. Let's see. Well, McGonagall really seems to be quite the enforcer of rules. She's all telling crap. from this to that, and you're all over the place, and stand up straight, and button your shirt, and you've got dirt on your face. And you Harry, Ron, Harry, Ron, and Draco are up on the astronomy tower, which is a great moment. It's been it's been rebuilt, and it doesn't feel like this age room where you know everyone with so much history. It feels clinical. It feels different. And Draco's up there with Ron and, and Hermione. I forget Hermione. I think Hermione's there. Harry's there. Everyone's up there. It's a little party. They're reenacting the, you know, the death of Dumbledore you know, for the same <laughs> And Ron goes, McGonagall's going to kill me, said Ron morosely. Not today, Mr. Weasley. McGonagall's first voice came from behind him. I suggest, however, that you return immediately to the place from whence you came and stay there until a week from Saturday. By the time Harry, Ron turned around, the headmistress was gone. They could hear What's her he- wishing around the corner. How the hell was it? Like a hologram of McGonagall appears wherever the hell She's like, where the hell did she come from? Well, what is she going to do to him, actually, in reality? There is a clip from Muppet Treasure Island. How does she do that? Well, here's the thing. How'd she make it up the stairs with her walker? I mean, like, cause what happens <laughs> is the tennis balls make screeching noises on the floor. It's like the woman's 95. She's retiring because she's too old. Picturing her up the stairs. <laughs> Why is she retiring because she's so old and Dumbledore's like 150 and he's still kicking McGonagall's He's only like 115. Seven. And Hermione's middle name is G. She changed a great deal in Deadly <laughs> It's the stress, because... I think if that had passed to her naturally, she could have stayed on a number of years, but this, she's coming back to rebuild the school, and once everything's running okay, she's going to hand it off. Can you picture her in retirement? Mm. Scott's right. She's going to see Hogwarts rebuilt to where it once was, and then she's going to regard her mission as done and turn the reins over to somebody else to lead the new future. I think she's, she's phoning it in already, because in every scene where she's around Harry, there's a reference to Tarvin. She's yeah. wearing her bathrobe. <laughs> 
Like all around the school. Like at the opening feet. She's never she got the hairnet. Like she's boning the damn thing. Ooh, ooh. She's ooh. going to get a lawn chair on the porch. She is. Ooh, I forgot my favorite bit. Does anyone have the chapter in front of them where things go awry at the opening feast before Jenny runs for it? Oh, we're jumping back. You're jumping back. This is like classic hoof war. We're like going back. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, we love something out. We need to cut it to the episode. Ooh, I have something I missed in chapter twenty six. Draco is with his future wife Astoria. <laughs> there you go. I think it would have been great if he had a cute name for her, like, come Astoria, my little lamb chop, or something like that. Just something absolutely <laughs> God. Well, Draco That's impresses geez. me here, because when dumbass kids was going after Harry in the classroom, Draco's like, he beat me every single time. You said he didn't. You're an idiot for believing me. Like, it was very... Yeah, I like that he finally just admits it. I know something P.S. missed. With P.S. Oh. Horace. Yes, Horace. Yeah, and that, that was right dedicated open. to me. So ha. That's it why I figured very... Gilbert was inspired by me because the idiot wouldn't shut up. I'm like this seems odd for me. Yes, we both have credit in the story. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Does yeah. love And Ryan, Ryan claims a whole character. I do. He won't shut up. It's 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 gonna be me. Well, the thing so is, any character I... that won't shut up, it's gotta be you. <laughs> yes. I I gotta say though, there was not nearly enough Slughorn. No, there wasn't. He should have been in it. She said all the Slughorn is for P.S. and it's like there's barely any. She and she. And Harry didn't pay attention to Slughorn yeah, began a, a rambling shit. waffle about how Harry's a little horse was and blah blah blah. And it's like I want to read that. Yeah, Slughorn and see his philosophy. At least he does have the impossibly purple waistcoat. Yes. Yes, that's lovely. There's that. But I, he needed a good speaking role. He mm-hmm. phoned it in. He did. Keza phoned it in. Keza did not phone it in. She should have included more Horace. If she needed help with potions talk, she should have talked to the chemist. That's death roll in case I was curious who chemist was. It's the cat in the hat is also a chemist. Okay. A Atello. A para, is it Atello? Atello? What the hell is it? Atello? Atello? You said the cat in the hat is a chemist. I am not the cat in the hat. That would be the cat in the hat. Romo is Lampkin. Romo L- Lampkin is a chemist though, right? <laughs> Romo Lampkin is a lawyer, Ryan. Is he blind? Who's blind? Does he have a dog? Who's blind? He wears dark sunglasses and has a dog walking around in the I don't think he's blind. I just think he likes dark sunglasses. He has cataracts. Atello, obviously unaware or uncaring of his earlier faux pas, had (laughs) dived towards Marjorie again, and she recommenced her screeching, adding to the caterwauling. Caterwauling? 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 That's from from Romo Lampkin's cat. Hermione had reached the small girl crying into her handkerchief, and the two teachers had settled down a few other students, one of whom, however, was still trying to climb on the sorting hat stool, wailing about mice. Professor Flitwick was struggling under the hat, which had been knocked onto his head. Nary could hear the diminutive professor squeaking. He had already been sorted, and that the blasted hat should know that. Harry reached out and pulled Tello upright by the back of his robe. All right, Marjorie, that's enough, he said. Tello was not trying to look up your robes. Tello, mate, don't look under a girl's robes, even if it is to find a toad. You and Hamish, great name, by the way, you and Hamish go sit down over there next to Gilbert, the one next to Sullivan. It's uh, Othello and Hamish, yeah. Okay, I prefer Othello. In Hamish. I don't know. <laughs> Already why. that. It just works for me. But yes. And I, I do enjoy Gilbert some of the time. Goodbye, and the other kids start teasing him. Goodbye, Mr. Potter. <laughs> well, it reminds me of Neville. Not Neville, Nigel with Ron. Nigel. It's Nigel with the British autograph. Because mm-hmm. it inserted apparently the first time Ron used that line about him being incredibly famous. Yeah, I like that. Well, he That's is number two on the notes of the world. epilogue. Have you really fought a dragon or a troll or a werewolf? Well, not all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, then I get confused with the text reading, and I think it's Harry saying that, like, polishing, you know, it's like fingernails or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I fought, I fought a, a troll and a dragon and a werewolf and a other thing. Yeah. It, camping almost killed me. <laughs> hey, everyone near a dragon, raise their hat. The whole crowd puts their hands up. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Anyone who shops at Gringotts, put your hands up in the air. <laughs> shops at Gringotts? I Shop figured you were going to pick up on that. All right. So Ron is crying into Ginny's arms, and all, the only thing he has going for him is no one sees him do this. You know, like when you trip at work, like over the, the carpet, and you're like, please. Luckily, Harry's eavesdropping over the entire conversation. And it's, it's very meaningful. George came home drunk the night before, and Molly doesn't know how to handle it. The thing that really grabbed me from the scene was this isn't the way it was supposed to be. And that reminds me a lot of my own life. Like, you know, when my father passed away, I had to make different decisions, different financial decisions. You know, I've had to delay buying a house. I've had to move all these different things around because that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, even like at my wedding, my father couldn't walk my mother down the aisle, so my uncle had to do it. It's like little things. It's not the way it was supposed to happen. And I know people who have lost children, like my cousin's baby died a few years ago, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. So I, I, it really, really, really hit me, you know, the, the, the way Ron was talking. You know, I'm reading here, um, there I am sitting in my mother's kitchen trying to find a sobering charm in one of her books while my brother sobs brokenly all over the kitchen table. It's not how I imagined being 18 and finished with school would be like. I just wished I'd come back to school instead, right at this moment. Someone to tell me what to do. Rules, regulations. I thought I'd be hanging out with Hermione going between going to an aura training with Harriet. I should be calling Father George into giving me free wheezes. I mean, that's the that's the life he was... In an AU world, that's the life he got. And now, this is the world he has. And he's running to Hogwarts every night because Jenny's missing. And he's blowing up at Jenny. And he's accidentally shooting Harry. And, you know, George is falling apart. He doesn't know how to fix it. I mean, that really hit me. The fact that this is where Ron's coming from. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And he doesn't know how to fix it. The fat lady won't let him in because he might be suspicious. <laughs> and she won't let Harry in. I'm the password. I order you. <laughs> One quick point on chapter 28 when Harry is having his issues with uh, the Muggle Studies professor. He He's making suggestions, and Seamus is already doing it. <laughs> exactly. She loses complete control. Well, you know what? When you have the students form an army, yeah. at some point you can't get them back. An insurrection is hard to uh, get back under control. Alright, in chapter 29, Harry has not planned his first defense lesson because he's been too busy snogging Jenny. Uh, this is fabulous. This will not be a total disaster in any way. Well, he's afraid to go in the room, too. He's, like, hiding in the hallway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like classic Harry. No thinking ahead. No planning. Just going to go in and wing it. See, Harry, on the other hand, does not have a plan. Harry does not have a plan. (laughs) Dum, 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 dum. We should get the sorting hat. Apparently, that it has a plan. The sorting hat has a plan. Sorting hat has well. The sorting hat is the Berlin Wall. It has a plan. Could you imagine Harry going in you teaching the fence wearing the sorting hat? There's fics where he wears the sorting hat all the time. There's a wonderful fic where he builds a golem and puts the sorting hat on it, and it gets to control the golem. <laughs> That would okay. be The Lie I've Lived by Jay Byrne. Oh, okay. Maybe I did read that. I don't know. It's quite vulgar. familiar, but I don't remember whether I read it or not. If I did, it would have been in 2005 or so. It's quite vulgar. <laughs> but, uh, well, in that hysteric. case, I think we should all go and read it. Because a- absolutely. We are an explicit podcast. We are an explicit podcast. Although, oh, by the way, I fixed iTunes, everybody. I hit a button, now you can get every poof wall. Well, I love the scene, too, in the comment room, um, closing out Chapter 29 here, where it's Sullivan, Dean, and Neville. You know, doing their 
rendition of what last year was like as the, the second years are telling Harry, it's okay, you didn't know we used to get trapped in the common room all the time and the Death Eaters tried to blast their way in. In case you missed it, you weren't here. That's One great. more was... time, just in case you missed it. And we got Sullivan over here. It's better than being stuck in an ancient house full of decrepit wizards stuck up with muggles. At least you were free to roam about the place instead of listening to some fat muggle thunderhead argue with his parents the entire time. If I ever see Dudley again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> but that was a great cameo. Oh. Then you have Dean yelling the line that I think we've all yelled at one point or another today. Do you know how hard it is to catch fish when the rivers and lakes are frozen? Oh, and then Neville. People went missing from Hogwarts too. So everyone's right. You know what this is? This is who had the worst day. You know, the guy whose car exploded <laughs> with him in it. And like the guy, like. Or he's going, well, I was undesirable number one at the time. Nothing important going on with me. I was I playing was cards. Camping. I'm rather good at cards, you know. You have Sullivan throw into Harry's face the fact, well, you know, Mr. Dursley said you were a troublemaker or whatever line was. It's like, oh God, now Vernon's involved. Drama, 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 drama. And then at the end of it, we discover that Harry was actually there on the day that Gilbert and Sullivan's father went missing, which yeah. is canon. And he told them hide overseas and didn't tell them how to get back. Yep. Well, that's Harry. That's bad staff work right there. It's like, just hide anywhere. Yep, just hide. <laughs> well, it's interesting to take on the hook from Deathly Hallows. You know what? And it's a great moment at the end, too, where Harry decides we're going to find him and we're going to bring him home or put these families yeah. back together. And someone's like, Harry, you're in school. How can you do that? He's like, I've been in school all this time. Look what I've done so far. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we end with, those boys are Gryffindors, said Neville quietly. We'll look after them and no one should be without a parent. Harry looked at Neville, the round-faced, chubby boy. It vanished a long time ago. The man was someone new, someone with drive and determination, which Harry would have known from the past year, but he wasn't there. Yeah, again. Again. I mean, these fun. were the best chapters so far. I mean, there, there was everything just hit on point. In earlier in the fic, I felt like you know, every few chapters, Harry would go emo and, and it was drama for drama's sake. I didn't feel that way at all in these chapters. Everything was just so absolutely solid. It's the first time, I think, in a very long time on Puffwa, I wanted to jump into the new chapters, but I had to force myself to stop because I wanted to podcast on those ones first. So I, I literally have the next batch already ready to go, and I'm going to start it right away. It's, it, this is the last fic where I'm going to cover you know with regularity on Puffwa, so I'm really glad to go out on top like this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really pleased with that. Now, Scott, Scott here is the one peon that we have who is going to be a host on Puffwa in the fourth season. Is it possible you've recorded half of the fourth season already? Not quite that much. Not no. half? Because I'm like, ooh, there's a fic they're going to be covering. I'd love to go on. Maybe I'll see if I can pee on, on it, you know, when they take over the show you next year. You can pee on it. I can pee on it. And then I looked on it, and I'm like, they already recorded half of it. Holy crap. No pun intended. There's a bird in my belly. Yeah, that one's on Monday. You can get in on the beginning <laughs> God, of We'll have to read the fic again. I got two more things, go. and then I'm oh. done. But Death Roll, the podcaster, is about to end. <laughs> yes, it's very surprised that Death Roll is still here. <laughs> I'm not Aaron. I stay awake. Oh, snap. One quick I'm thing. I love the... I'm used too. What? Peeves. <laughs> the very beginning of the chapter. One of the downsides to coming back to Hogwarts... Peeves is there whenever you're snogging. He announces over the intercom what you're doing, where you're doing it, and what he thought about it. I love the return to the first year gag of Wingardium Leviosa with the silent spell casting in advanced defense class. Wingardium Leviosa. Wingardium Leviosa. And regarding the mouthy little Slytherin, just a small point. Limison is the kid's name. He attacks Jenny to get Harry into a duel. And he did it the way he knew it would work to get him into the duel. But he's described as being clearly enraged. 
I don't know why he would be clearly enraged, because he should be cool and collected, because his cunning Slytherin plan worked. He got Harry into a duel. Maybe he didn't get the memo. Or maybe he's enraged anyway. He's doing the cunning thing, but he's also pissy. Can you be cussing? Can you be We can't speak in our podcasters. Can you be cunning and pissy simultaneously? Why not? Death Row seems to think you couldn't. No, Death Row's a department head. Slytherin actual. He thinks the best of people. I think we should break out of our previous stereotypes and decide that Slytherins can be anything they want to be. Let's empower the Slytherins. Well, that's good because we were very up on the women lip front at the end of this episode, so I'm glad that we've come around full circle and now we're supporting Slytherins and their social advancements. Up Slytherin. Up Slytherin. Any more comments? Doesn't that sound like an insult? Like, I am very on topic tonight. What the hell happened? I've got notes. I'm, like, yelling at people to get back on track. Like, now that we're done with with the fic, I'm trying to end the thing. What the hell is happening? I don't think you have to worry about You're the only one allowed to give final thoughts. I think I'm turning into a peon, because the peons are usually disorganized. What are your final thoughts? I was done. That was it? Oh. Yeah, but you gave yours, and then I started to give mine, and you started griping about the podcast being ending, and I was like, you're the only one who gets to give final thoughts? Well, that's the thing, because I'm like Gilbert. I just start (laughs) randomly wandering off. You are not like Gilbert. Put it on the list of questions to ask, Kessa. I'm sure that Ryan is not Gilbert. I've already asked her. I'm not, but I think I subliminally got into her head just to be tight. (laughs) But we must record her response for the podcast. We'll just get her on here. It's Keza, please. I call her at home. Which is unfortunate because she's in Australia and there's a 12-hour time difference. Another random thing that I like. I mean, she's awake because it's daytime. It is daytime. That's correct. It's true. It's nighttime now, but it's daytime. Yeah, it's it's nighttime outside here. It's the future there. I haven't even called her yet. I drank a great deal of coffee today. Yes, we can tell. I know. (laughs) Deathville just went through puberty. I'm drinking a lot of coffee. This is fascinating. Why (laughs) did Deathville go through puberty? His voice just cracked. Back up the tape. Yes, we can tell. <laughs> P.S. finds puberty funny. <laughs> yeah. See, she can't stop laughing. It's puberty. We all know why. <laughs> oh, th- thank you. That's nice. <laughs> what the hell was that? Someone just like, what was that? Sorry, I'm my pop. <laughs> this is a very bizarre hour. You know what it was? We got a new Keurig sample thing, so I'm trying all of them. I've had coconut coffee, hazelnut, and regular. Okay, you're supposed to space them out yeah, and do, like, to, one a day. Didn't work. Obviously. Anyone else have final thoughts? Just randomly jumping around the final chapter. Another thing that I like is... Hermione noticing with the new defense professor is like, I don't think he seems to, he doesn't seem to like you very much. And Harry says, he's the defense professor. I think that's in their contract. <laughs> they have to hate me. Well, he's gonna take Harry now, Potter. Is that he, like love dogs? My question, does he actually have a cat? I, I wasn't following. Does he have a cat mm-hmm. on his head or is it? It's a, that's an actual cat on his head. Yes. yes. That's not right. It's his pet cat and it just rides around on his what head. What aura sort of carries head. your cat on your head? A very sinister defense professor, apparently. Well, the last word that carried someone's guy's head was Voldemort. You would look at that person and say, there's no way that person could possibly be sane enough to be a threat to me. So it's a good disguise for an aura. I mean, I was just picturing it like Daniel Moon. Like, literally in my head, this guy is played by Romuald in a Daniel Moon cap. I wonder how you get the students to take you seriously enough to actually pay attention when you have an animal sitting on your head the entire class. But apparently it works for him, so. Coral had a death either in the back of his skull. Nobody paid any attention to Quirrell. He was nuts. They thought they filled it with garlic to keep the zombies away, which actually makes no sense whatsoever, but None. there you go. Garlic keeps vampires away. Vampires away. He like, got it for defeating a zombie. He was a girly man. Just random comment, because we're talking about Quirrell. Does anyone 
go to the scene where Fred and George enchanted a snowball to hit the back of Quirrell's head and just laugh now because Voldemort <laughs> would have killed them, like hopped out of Quirrell's head and just killed them. Well, <laughs> I never thought. He's just wandering, yeah. wandering around one day and keeps getting a snowball. That's in the why mouth. Fred died. He left orders. If anything should happen to me, kill the Weasley twins. Kill the one with the snowball. Well, that reminds me. There was this one fic where Voldemort encountered the twins, and he said, "Kill the spare." And they killed one of them. Oh, my God. Okay, now it was know, horrible. Now you made P.S. cry. Why did you do that? That's so horrible. You know, it would be awful if they shot both of them because they don't know which one the spare is. Right, Firing gonna... squad. Exactly. It's we're just en- so sad. We're ending this it one on a down note. Thanks, Death Roll. Sorry. No, let's talk about something happy. What do we have? Malfoy has lawyers. Lots and lots of lawyers. He has solicitors. I'm okay with that. What else do we have? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Harry talking about his sex life with art in the room. He does that all the time. There's always just the awkward sentences that he walks in into the room on, or people walk Art, into him Art while he's saying them. Picturing him. Oh, my. Hermione has a flu call to just talk with Ron, and he just rushes over to the school because there must be something wrong. Because now they alarm the school for, so when anyone comes into the school, the alarm will go off. They're like, really? You did that now? Like, now you're concerned about people breaking into Hogwarts because <laughs> we've never had a problem with that before. Ron outdid Voldemort. Well, I'm just picturing over the years. You get Sirius Black. You've got, like, all the Death Eaters. you got Moody, a crouch disguised as Moody. Exactly. Now we're taking security seriously under the Chronicle illustration. Quirrell mm-hmm. and Voldemort. Voldemort's soul piece, anyway. That's true. His um, soul piece mm-hmm. makes you sound like a soul patch. I'm picturing now the whole thing with Harry Potter musical. Oh, my God. Hysterical. I can't believe you guys have never seen that. That was so good. They're doing a sequel. I can't wait. I think <laughs> I should be fun. a road trip to go see it. What do you say? I can just watch it online. <laughs> That's not the point. I, I understand. We did go out to the exhibition. We did. That, well, that was four miles from my house. That was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. The only Baby place that's coming to Canada is like four provinces over. So. Baby steps. All right. So I got a light note to end with. I, re- I really promise. Going way back to the first chapter for tonight. Mm-hmm. Ron is apparently a hobbit. Because they just eat breakfast and they go somewhere and he says they Ron says, Oh, they probably got off to breakfast. And Ron, we just ate. So and all I can think is Ron wants second breakfast and Levin's is And then there's a line here, Molly finishes breakfast, then she's like, I'm starting on lunch now. <laughs> and they're like, That's we just have What cook. you don't think I can well here's my question then the Weasley's are so poor. How do they afford all the food? Apparently they poor conjure poor. food or they spend that's just what they spend their money on. They have another stack of bacon, and I'm like, the, the Weasleys all are going to die of high cholesterol. They should be on Jamie Oliver's food revolution. It's awful. You create more food if you have a little bit of it. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Are we going it's to Gamp's debate law Gamp's of law of transfiguration? Yeah, I thought, thought Gamp's <laughs> law said that you couldn't make Okay, we are going to look yeah, up you can't, um, law. You can't transfigure something into food because it won't work. Have a good night, everybody. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. There are five principal exceptions to Gamp's Law. And Ryan wants to know if you're hugging a baby or a snowball. It looks like a rabbit or a teddy bear. <laughs> what are you talking about? On your icon. It's Hedwig. Oh, it's, it's a, Hedwig. It's a snowy owl. Ryan squints at Hedwig. <laughs> You're going to have to get Huggles glasses. It's very sad. Something. Nope, so we lost Julia. We have lost the Jew.
We have lost yeah. the Jew. This is this does not bode well. This does not bode well at all. <laughs> Uh, and this was a fun fic. I thought it was fun. It's yeah. It's well, we might have time to cover it on Thursday because it's the shortest fic ever. Yeah, it's really short. Mm. Well, now apparently we have ten episodes left of Puffle. We thought we had eight. We have ten. Oh, oh. you've been counting. I miscounted, so apparently we have a full ten. And then everyone's like, "We're gonna miss Puffle." I'm like, "Well, technically, I think Sue's taking it over, so it may still be there." Yes, the peons need to figure this out. Because oh, you yeah. guys do a really good job of staying on topic and going chapter to chapter. Because sometimes I like, because we spend so much time, you know, between recording and releasing, I'll forget what happened in the chapter. So I love listening to the ones you guys do because then I can remember what the hell happened and, and all that stuff. <laughs> so it's pretty good. Julia is back. Yay. I love the uh, gender swap one because we end with it says something like, What's a something to do? And Scott goes, have a dance party or something. It's hysterical. I left it That's in. A, Harry's being all moody and snarky and tells Dumbledore, I don't care if you don't tell me anything. We all know how this has to end and storms out and slams the door. And I said, with a dance number. That's it. That's <laughs> great. So we take your music. foot. <laughs> your little foot. No. I know what the hell we're talking about. It's great. I never used to like. I I finally got. I was dying laughing watching that when the line "What the hell is a Hufflepuff?" came up. I'm like, I get it. I finally get it. <laughs> what the hell is a Hufflepuff? Well, that's okay. The other day at work, my boss was like walking around, and she came in and she looked at my desk and she looked at the computer and she laughed and she came back in and I said, "What's wrong?" And she said, uh, "I've lost my keys." And I said, "Oh, okay." So she looked for another 10 minutes, and I said, you still haven't found them. She said, no. So I went in, and I looked around, and I said, well, where were you today? She said, oh, I was here and there. And so I went looking, and of course, I found the keys, because I'm a Hufflepuff, and apparently we're finders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. So mm-hmm. I went and said, are these them? And she's like, yes. Where'd you find them? And I said, they were in the kitchen under the chicken. We have a stuffed chicken in the kitchen. Oh, thank God. I mean, that's where I always look when I can't find my car keys. I, I lift the chicken and see. Under the chicken, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes yep. it can be there. And she said, you can't give me a bad time about having a bad memory, though, because you're older than I am. And I'm like, well, that's a lot of thanks for finding your keys. <laughs> oh, God. That's awful. All right, so I will leave you guys to it. We are, like, not chatty tonight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was okay. going to go down. It's well, the most boring episode of Puffa ever. No, we're never boring. No, no, no. God forbid. We'll be Um, incisive and on topic. Fanfic. The final frontier. These are the ramblings of the PFWP arms. Their continuing mission to explore strange new stories, to seek out new authors and unending tangents, to boldly review where no one has done before. 
Welcome back to Peoncast. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. And I'm Julia. And tonight we are reading number eight, Privet Drive by Jess. And the summary is Dudley Dursley and Jenny Davies Dursley are taking their daughter to the Hogwarts Express when they run into the Harry Potter set in 2019. This is interesting. I've read a few fics where Dudley has a girlfriend that is somehow connected to the magical world, but I don't know if I've read one where he's actually married her. I think I once actually read a fairly good one where he went to Harry and Jeannie's wedding, and at the wedding he met Katie Bell, and then they got married. Okay. I'll have to find that, but I remember reading it, and I remember liking it. That one sounds like fun. Uh, Yes, this starts out at King's Cross Station, and Dudley is hoping mightily not to meet Harry there, because it's turned out that his daughter has popped up magical. Yes. (gasps) (laughs) Oh no, not that! It's like a fate worse than death for Dursley. I know. He's taking it fairly well, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's okay. I mean, he, at the end of canon, at least came around to, I don't know, not necessarily accept, but tolerate Harry, at least, you know, shook hands with him. Right. I really want to know how, like, Uncle Vernon and Opportunia are dealing with having a magical granddaughter. Yeah, Yeah. I'm surprised Vernon's head didn't explode. You almost have to wonder if they haven't told them, but... Well, well they're sure as hell going to find out when Harry shows up at lunch at the end of this fic. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> they didn't know before. Yeah. They did, though, because... Or at least they know that Jenny is magical. Phone's ringing. Who is it? This is a castle of my master. We will Little Monty Python joke there. Those are always good. Last night at our... Uh, Tubishvat party, there was a coconut, and uh, Rowie opened the coconut, but he was unable to produce halves. Like, he opened it in, like, little te- like little pieces, and I was so sad I couldn't take the coconut halves and bang them together, like, Monty Python style. That's cheating. You're using coconut. No, <laughs> <laughs> not. A couple weeks ago, I was at a meeting. Professor asked if anybody had any questions, and nobody said anything, and so I was like, um, what's the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And my professor said African or European. And I was like, yes, <laughs> you win. There you go. Sorry about that. That's right. It's okay. You gave me the opportunity to tell my Deep Python joke stories. We're way off course. The Christmas cards had stopped. The year that Dudley married Jenny, we're going to have to be really careful to get the Jenny and the Ginny mm-hmm. apart. Rather than explain why an owl had delivered the letter, he intercepted it and burned it. So she wouldn't know. And it turns out that she would understand all about that. Yeah, because her brother is Roger Davies. Right. <laughs> Which is pretty cool, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Yeah. You just have to really wonder how the two of them kind of got together. But it's cool. And I love that it says, It got worse, you see, because Caitlin wasn't going to Heathfield St. Mary's as Jenny had done, but rather had gotten the exclusive and much sought after, according to her invitation to the school Jenny's brother Roger had attended. <laughs> you just have to know that like, Dudley was just like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I'm sure Did he you was know like, Roger was oh. Hogwarts with Harry Potter? Oh, you probably don't know who Harry Potter is. He's a famous war hero. Yeah, actually he's yeah. my cousin. <laughs> yeah, in all this time he couldn't just like sneak that in there at all. <laughs> like, He just didn't even want to start it. Yeah. yeah, he was hoping to avoid the whole thing, but 
It's not that big a train platform. And I guess they must have known because they, she talks about it over Sunday dinner once. And so Dudley and his mom have exchanged troubled glances over it. And his, his dad kind of grew steadily more scarlet. So they do know that she's aware of the wizarding community as well. Right. Right. I forgot about that little detail. His head must have like exploded <laughs> when he found no. out. Oh, man. Why didn't we get that piece of thick? Really? That would have been funny. That would have been awesome. Or maybe it exists and we just, like, don't know about it. That's true. Which is very probable. It's probably out there somewhere. There seems to be a little of everything. That's true. So they are at the station trying to get Caitlin on the train because it's going to be her first year. And they're not quite sure how to get on the platform. Yeah, nobody really talked about that. Right. So, of course, as always, Weasley's to the rescue. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, loop into the rescue. <laughs> yeah. They're surrounded by hordes of people. They keep going every which way. Yeah. A tall blue haired boy shoved to Caitlin's shoulder as she yelped, Watch her, need help there? And you didn't need the blue haired description before the watcher. I think I would have known it was a lupin with that word there because that was a, yeah. a tonksism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It wouldn't necessarily be because it's a certain area of London or something that people grew up saying that, I guess. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in canon, it's always, like, nobody else ever says Watcher. You know, like, right. it's always Tonks. Mm-hmm. You know, we're meant to hear it and be like, oh, Tonks. Yeah. Yeah. They all have their own little quirks. Mm-hmm. And so he gets uh, somebody from behind. Ooh, Teddy, are you harassing the Muggles again? And he's like, no, I'm not harassing anybody. I'm just trying to help. Mm-hmm. And he gets halfway through the sentence again and uh, gets attacked by a small cousin. Yeah. A little red-headed freckled girl. Uh, Apparently it's her first year, too. Yeah. And she's very sad that Teddy's not going to be there. Because he's leaving. And then everybody starts mentioning Harry's name because they're shouting back and forth across the platform. And Dudley's trying to sort of sidle out of there before it clicks that this is actually Harry Potter. Mm Mm-hmm. Work. But as usual, Ron, in his all too subtle manner. Yes. Was like, Harry, is that your cousin? And <laughs> <laughs> oh points God. rudely at Dudley. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about the time that Jenny figures out what's going on. And she's like, Harry Potter? Is that the Harry Potter? Right. And it's funny. It takes her a second to realize, like, Harry Potter cousin. Right. Mm-hmm. She's still like, oh my god, the Harry Potter? Yeah, she's a fan girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they kind of all come together, and introductions are fast and furious because there's a lot of them, especially yeah. on the Potter Weasley side. You might have met him when we blew up your fireplace. Oh, did you ever meet this guy? Um, no, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe once for like five minutes on the thing at the place. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I like this phrasing. Jenny's my wife, and this is our daughter, Caitlin. Dudley managed through a phlegmatic throat. And I thought that was a fun word, phlegmatic. Nobody says phlegmatic anymore, but it's very nice. (laughs) I didn't know anybody ever said it, but okay. (laughs) I don't know. I could be making it up. Nobody says it anyway. There you go. I didn't really know the whole history of the word phlegmatic. I didn't think of it as being related to phlegm, which sort of makes sense. Mm -hmm. I always pronounce it with the G. I don't know if that's actually the right way or not, but it's used for people who 
aren't troubled by very much. Like they're sort of sensible, solid people and don't get uh, in panic over anything little. And, you know, Hmm. I'm not sure why it came to mean that or where it came from, but that's how I've seen it used. I think this is the first time I've ever seen it used, so that's why it kind of flagged for me. Harry and Dudley are actually the ones having the most normal conversation out of the entire giant group of them, which is amusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I like when Harry kind of figures it all out. Uh, ha, no, well, um, what brings you in today? Looks like you're sending Caitlin off to... Oh, oh, well. Brilliant! <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, that was yeah. funny. Yeah. And Jenny's still been standing there gawping at him and finally managed to say you're Harry Potter and he's like uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're Harry Potter you're the boy who lived yeah you're Jenny and then she tells him about her brother that he'd gone to school with them and and everything Ron of course knows all about him because he's a Quidditch player and he took Flirt of the Ball which was a nasty horrible thing for him to do right (laughs) because Ron wanted to do that and I love that Hermione's like how did you know yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a, a thing with the ball and the... Yeah. And then he starts talking about all the things they've done to Dudley, which is, I'm sure, great conversation tactic, you know? Always. Like, hey, remember that time when we made your tongue, like, fall out of your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Dudley? Ron, you said, well, he was quite a pig, you know? <laughs> so you think that... His physique's probably changed a little. Well, he was already starting to slim down when he was wrestling, so it's very possible. And, of course, his wife picks up on it. He's like, wait, who gave Dudley a tail? Yeah, Yeah, that was awesome. And once again, Teddy starts to help. Hagrid's the groundskeeper. And he tells Caitlin, you let him know who your dad is, and he'll probably, you know, make the entire time making it up to you. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, Dudley did deserve it. Oh, yeah. Let's Hagrid be fair. Is kind of a softie, though. Yeah. True. Hagrid will take her under his wing. Oh, yeah, that's true. He may scar her for life, but, you know, with yeah. some sort of animal. But yeah. he'd do it in the very best intentions. <laughs> he would. He's such a sweetheart. Yes. It's that I'm in the middle of, um, of my annual reread of Harry Potter, and I'm just getting towards the end of uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, and I just finished the scene where poor Buckbeak uh, lost his head. It's making me very sad. <laughs> yeah. Poor baby. Anyway. Yes, they will. I like that Teddy's like, well, you just tell everybody that if, you know, if somebody messes with you, you just tell them Harry Potter's going to come after them. And poor Harry, he starts blushing. Don't tell him that. <laughs> And who was it who was like, she, you know, she doesn't even know about the war? He said that, yeah. She's muggle-born. She doesn't even know. Yeah. That struck me as a little weird. I mean, like, it's true. Like, mm-hmm. why would she know about it? But, whoa. You yeah. know? Like, the idea that somebody going to Hogwarts doesn't know about Harry Potter. I mean, I don't go to Hogwarts, and I know about Harry Potter. <laughs> like, why shouldn't they? Well, it's like Harry Potter going to Hogwarts and not knowing that he was a wizard and he didn't know he was the boy who lived. True. So it's just weird. I mean, you don't think that, yeah, but you don't think that, like, you know, she would have heard about it from Uncle Roger. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they don't visit as much. I guess not. They don't don't really talk much about that, except that Jenny kept bringing him up all the time and Dudley was frustrated. 
and that apparently he's coming to supper. Yes. Well, I really think Roger Davies was probably only there to give uh, some sort of connection to the wizarding world, you know. Probably. He was like a character of, you know, great importer. You know, he just served a purpose. And Teddy's just sweet, you know. He's picked up at the beginning that they're kind of lost and they need help through the, the barrier without knowing who they are. And he's told Caitlin... You use Harry Potter's name if you need to. And then he gets down on her level, which I love as a teacher. It's always good to get down on somebody's level and gives her great wisdom. You'll understand when you get there. You tell them that Harry Potter will protect you and no one will bug you at all. Mm -hmm. That was nice of him. That's the remus in him, I think. Mm -hmm. And James is going to take her under his wing, apparently. Uh, He figures she'll be in Gryffindor, as they always are. uh, Lily has to tell him off for saying she's a Potter and not an Evans, but, eh, same thing. <laughs> yeah. All the Evanses are in Gryffindor, too. They get all one of all them. One of all them. one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, they, yeah, they've kind of just enveloped them into this family now. I'm sure they're slightly shell-shocked. Yeah, Dudley's just sort of standing there staring around at things. Yep. Welcome to the Weasleys. It's genetic. <laughs> like it or not, you're in this family. Yeah. You can just see them because... It's not part of this fic, but they go off to school and probably they'll become friends and stuff like that. And and just see them getting invited to the Weasleys for dinner some night. And, you know, mm-hmm. Dudley's just totally shocked. He'll yeah, Dudley would like walk in. The food serves itself. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Dudley would walk in and like see a pot stirring itself and be like, oh, my God. Yeah. But then he'd sit down to a Weasley meal and he'd be in hog heaven. Yes, that's true. Yeah, he'd probably be won over fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I couldn't see his parents way. being won over, but I think Dudley would be. Yeah. Well, the fastest way to a Dudley's heart is through his stomach. Mm-hmm. Always. They make a little reference back to the epilogue. Mm-hmm. Dudley wonders why everyone's staring. And I think Al says, Uncle Ron's a very big deal. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I thought that was great. <laughs> that's awesome. I feel like by this point, that's probably like a family joke. Mm-hmm. You know, Every like after, <laughs> right? Like after Ron said it on the platform in the epilogue, it's like it's a family joke. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. And Harry's like ducking into his collar and stuff like that. But Jenny, who's still in the whole process of going, oh my god, it's Harry Potter, is like he's Harry Potter. <laughs> Dudley's like, yeah, I know. I was raised with him. I think I know his name. Yeah. <laughs> that was Dudley's best line in the whole story. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you'd understand all of this. They've both been keeping their connection to the magical world from each other mm-hmm. until right. this whole Roger thing came up. Yeah. Right. Harry calls him Dudders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Shit, that was funny. I like that he called them Dudders instead of like, you know, Icky Didum, Diddy Dum. Yeah. Whatever stupid name Opportunia called him. Mm-hmm. Diddy Or Big D. Yeah. yeah, or Big D. Well, Dudders kind of fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to love what Harry says, you know. I really think we ought to hang out more. Everyone else treats me like I'm some sort of royalty. It's kind of refreshing to be around someone who thinks... What's so special about Harry Potter, aside from the fact that he set a boa constrictor on me once? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you did what? 
Ginny's like, he's a parcel mouse. <laughs> She's, She's read all the books. Yeah, yeah. Jenny's read the books. She's so cute. I like Jenny. She's been talking to her brother, you can tell. Yes. And he's like, well, we were just having a conversation that actually didn't mean for it to, you know, attack you. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and Dudley's like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know. And then she calls him sir. And they're like, yes. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> they roll their eyes at her or at each other. Yeah, you can see them almost, almost bonding. Not quite, but they're starting to share a little bit here. Maybe the bonding will happen at supper with Uncle Vernon. Yeah. And Roger Davies. Yeah, because Ginny asks, what are you doing? We'd love to have you at our house for lunch. We have people over every Sunday. Bring all your friends and everything. And Dudley's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Should we have to? (laughs) Joke cough. Uncle Vernon surrounded by all of Harry Potter's friends. Oh, God, that would be awesome. Yeah, it's really nice to see that scene. Man, (laughs) karma. Oh, man, Uncle Vernon would just, like, flip the insert expletive here. He'd have a coronary. He would. He would turn red and blood vessels would explode. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it'd be pretty funny. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I do like that she says, oh, we have people every Sunday, and Harry is like, what people? (laughs) Yeah, like, you have friends? Yeah. Dudley has friends? Wait. And it turns out it's not really friends, it's parents. They have to come, right? Dudley's parents and mine. And today my brother's coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I suspect Harry's actually being sarcastic. He's like, oh, want to have lunch with my aunt and uncle and Roger Davies? And then Ron's like, sure. And they're like, oh, okay, right, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wouldn't dream of missing it, mate. And Harry's like, you know, I think I'd like this. And Jenny's like, Great. <laughs> yeah. Terry says, okay, what's the address then? You can just see Dudley. Drive. Yeah, kind of yeah. mumble, 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 mumble. <laughs> yeah. He's moved two houses down the street. Woo. Yeah. Independence. Yeah. yeah. You know his mother's watching everything he does. Oh, yeah. Probably like through the curtains and criticizing Jenny's every move. Oh, yeah. Because you know the house wouldn't be clean enough ever. Right. Because no. no one is ever going to be good enough for her Dudikins. Right. No, of course not. At least it is number eight and not number six, which is right next door. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. She's probably got a peak pole that runs through the neighbor's house so she can see him or something. Yes. Set up baby. one of the baby security cams. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she's finally figured out that Ravenclaw peeping charm from after the end. Mm, there you go could be that would work i don't know a fun I, story yeah i thought it was fun to it it had great humor in it and just imagining the scene afterwards and just imagining a couple of the scenes you know kind of going beyond dinner or lunch afterwards or the kids together on the train just gave me a little bit more to think about yeah mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see more of this sort of version of them mm-hmm. it's oh. fun that harry and dudley go from being uncomfortable to being actually more comfortable with each other than their respective groups. Right. Yes. Particularly Jenny. They're both sort of shying away from her, so. (laughs) Yes, well, she's just embarrassing them. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty bad to be fangirled quite so openly, even if you are Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. But you have to feel really good for Caitlin, who 
all of a sudden has this whole family open to her that she didn't know about and will probably have a much better time at Hogwarts than she might have because she's going to have friends and family when she gets there rather than being kind of an odd muggle out. Yeah. That's true. I wonder if there are people at Hogwarts who don't make friends so easily. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. But it seems like you'd have to go out of your way not to make friends as a first year at Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Just because there's so few of you and you're like stuck in a very small space Mm -hmm. for a very long time. Well, it's it's the British boarding school experience. And it's more, for us, it's more like university because you go in and you have a roommate and you sort of have to spend at least some time with them. And for them, they have five so out of that there's going to be somebody you can tolerate at least Mm -hmm. i remember my first roommate i really disliked her like she and i were just not a good fit at all but i feel like it probably would have gotten a lot better if there were you know three other girls who you know it's like you're bound to get along with at least one of them Mm -hmm. yeah hermione did go a while without getting any friends really it was kind of a fluke for them yeah yeah because she was the know-it-all and she was too busy studying I just think her priorities were different. I don't think she was out in her first year to really, like, make friends. I mean, like, I'm very pleased that she did, obviously, but she wasn't, like, going for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was there to learn. And I suspect Ginny and Luna probably had trouble also because Ginny was absorbed by the diary in her first year, so she wasn't really paying attention to roommates and stuff. Right. And Luna was Luna. But mm-hmm. Luna either developed into not caring or just didn't care to begin with so mm-hmm. well, Luna's always struck me as someone who just didn't care to begin with yeah I'm sure Xenophilia's taught her you know sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me that sort of thing you gotta believe that that was part of it and Luna's a, a duck with water things just roll off of her yeah yeah rack spurts are more important than shoes always always well do we have any further comments on the story I don't think so. I'm kind of reading through the uh, comments down below, and a lot of people yeah. are echoing what we said. Poor Caitlin must have been overwhelmed with the plethora of cousins and relatives she just got. Everybody loved the Uncle Ron's a, a very big deal line. Yeah, that was good. Uh huh. And several people said, "I'd love to read more. I'd love to see where this goes." So yeah, yeah. I agree with whoever said that. I would also love to see more. See where this goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I guess that's about it. So I guess so. It's going to be a short one. The shortest recording of anything in Puffa history. I think I'm <laughs> okay to say that. No, I don't know. Fireworks might be shorter than this one. I don't know. We've only been going for half an hour. I know. Not we may actually of- get the 20 minutes thing in the, out of this one. Really? Ooh, Whoa. Scary. <laughs> Whoa. That doesn't happen very often. Flashback to season one. Oh God, season one. Oh, PN cast, not a fuffle, right? Yeah. Okay. Because they were always one? that was like their goal was to make a twenty-minute podcast, and yeah, we haven't been doing that really. No. Yeah. I was thinking, like, you guys remember season one of Puffa when, like, after the end, took like sixteen episodes. <laughs> no. Because they were afraid that if they missed a single little detail, it wouldn't be good enough. Yeah. I need to listen to those. I've listened to the parts of the first three, but I haven't listened to the oh, whole they're set. they're so funny. They're fun. They're, they're, really I mean, I think they're the best because you had Phil and you had Jen and you had Ryan and Renna. And sometimes you had Chi. Mm-hmm. And that was just the shit. Plus, the fic after the end is my favorite piece of fan fiction ever written in the history of the world. During that bit, you had, there were so many funny things. Was that when Yellowstone happened? 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, like Yellowstone. Actually, Yellowstone might have been special for. You know what? I think you're right. But uh, the whale yeah. happened for sure in the Dome of Death, and oh god, Phil's ED joke. Yep. <laughs> Immortalized forever in the intro. That was the only time I ever actually fell off my chair from laughing so hard at an episode of Puffwa. So funny. I used to listen to them at work and people would hear me laughing because I could we don't have children on Fridays. So I would be listening while I was cleaning or doing different things and people would hear me laughing and come in and go, What in the world are you doing? Like listening yep. to Puffwa. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> We're way off course. Okay, well, I really liked this. It was fun. I liked the characters and the humor in it. And with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. Good night. Good night. Or good Rockin'. afternoon or evening or morning or whatever you happen to be listening good to. Good time it. of day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>